you were watching this via live stream. Mr. Brown has agreed to come up to that time. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. At that time, we're going to follow our agenda, have Mr. Moses to come and lead us in our prayer and invocation, uh, and then followed by the president. Please stand. Let's pray. Most kind of benevolent Father, we thank you for this beautiful day and the bountiful blessings. Father God, we ask for um, wisdom and insight as we engage in the business of this community. And Father God, we want to pause and pray for the Warner family as they grieve the loss of a loved one, Father God. We know that, Father God, death is always a hard uh, situation for us to accept, but it's a part of life. And we just ask that you give them all the grace that they need in this hour. Pray for their all his loved ones and his friends who are grieving his loss. This we thank you for in the Lord darling Son, Jesus the Christ. championship trophy every year. And um, being from Bradwell, it's kind of, it's hard to say this, but year after year after year, um, Liberty won the trophy. But but I would um, I would always call the coach, and um, and he knew that I supported his team, but he would know that for that, for that one Friday night in either August or September, that I had to go with the blue and gold. And he understood that, but um, we forged a great friendship over the years, um, I remember when they had that championship run a couple of years in a row back when uh, Rick Warren and um, LeCount guys played. And, um, you know, so we um, we charged buses and we followed them wherever they went. You know, I remember the, the boy that's the quarterback for um, Jacksonville.
that was cited here. Good evening. How are y'all? Uh, my name is Chuck Rover. I'm the coordinator for the State Certification Program for Georgia. And it's my honor to be here tonight to uh, recognize the Liberty County Sheriff's Office for their achievement of state certification. Uh, just so y'all know, as you probably know, there are 159 counties in Georgia. Out of 159 counties, there are 25 sheriff's offices that are state certified. That's it. So the fact that they have achieved this is pretty, pretty special. Uh, this is up to a three-year process. This is not something that they can do overnight. It takes up to three years from HC to get certified. Uh, and this is something they've accomplished. This is their initial certification. And if you're if you're unsure of what certification is about, the analogy I like to use is would would you send your family to a hospital that didn't meet certain standards for health care? And the answer should be no, I wouldn't. Would you send your kids or your grandkids to a college or university? that didn't meet certain standards for higher education? Again, the answer should be no. If you take that same analogy and apply it to law enforcement, the big difference between the first two and law enforcement is this is something they choose to do. The other two have to do it. They have to be accredited. They have to meet standards. This is something the sheriff's office chooses to do because they want to be the best they can be. And that translates into not only you as the leaders of the community knowing that this department is state certified, but also the citizens of Liberty County, whether they realize what it means or not, it means that this department is meeting certain state standards that covers all aspects of law enforcement. And uh, the, the fact that they've done this is something that I know they're proud of, <coughs> But as the leaders of the community, it's something that you should be very proud of too. Uh, this is a, a very good, very important accomplishment. Uh, it's not something I can assure you as the as coordinator of the program. It's not something that we give. They have to earn it. And if they don't earn it, they don't get it. Uh, so uh, this is a very, very special thing. Uh, Major Kirkendall gave y'all a coin that uh, that I wanted y'all to have because without your support, and I think Sheriff would agree with this, without your support, they couldn't do what they do. Uh,
what they do day in and day out. And you, and you see that all across the country of departments that have problems with the community and they're, they're not very successful. Uh, transparency, obviously, we want to be an open book about what we do and why we do it. Uh, the, the public has a right to know, you have a right to know what's going on within the agency. There may be times on an internal investigation where they can't release all the information initially, but they're going to release what they can because they want to be they want to be transparent about what they're doing. Ethical conduct. You don't want anybody working for the sheriff's office that doesn't mm -hmm. uh, doesn't uh, subscribe to being ethical and doing the right thing for the right reasons, regardless. Even at two o'clock in the morning, with no body camera and no no cell phones. You still want them to do the right thing, so that's what that's what that's about. And finally, liability protection, regardless of where you get your liability insurance, because there the department is now certified, the chances of somebody beating them and beating you in a lawsuit is very minimal, because as long as they're they've they've written their policy and procedures in accordance with professional standards. They've trained their employees on these standards, and now the officers are out there doing their job and following these policies and procedures. The chances of a lawsuit, now you're going to get sued. We all know that. That's going to happen. It's not a matter of when, if, it's a matter of when it's going to happen. But the chance of somebody beating you because they're state certified is very minimal now. So it should be whoever you're liability protection is through, that carrier should be very pleased about that and and uh, you might even be able to get a discount uh, on your coverage because of that. So, uh, so without taking up any more of your time, I appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight uh, and uh, I, I think it's a, a very special night for the Sheriff's Office and, and all of you should be very proud of what they've accomplished. So, Sheriff? Congratulations. Sure. Might be better if we stay up. What's the best view, Mike? On the floor up here. Up here. Okay. Y'all join us? Yeah. Yeah, we all come. Yes.
That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got no help. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have no <laughs> <laughs> So Commissioner Walden says, should we travel with this? Yes. It might help us out. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I'd just like to say, um, 17 months ago, when we started this journey as uh, in the Sheriff of Liberty County, my goal was to um, make sure that we are the best agency in the state of Georgia. And this is just another step of the hard work that our guys do on a daily basis to make it that way. Um, I'm really proud to be able to stand before you today to let you see that we are working. We are trying to do everything the right way. And uh, that's what I'm going to always continue to, to do for this community. Uh, I love Liberty County. I love the citizens. And I love what I do on a daily basis. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say uh, I'm going to uh, miss the friendship that I had with Coach Warner. Uh, he was definitely a pillar in this community. Uh, I enjoyed uh, conversation with him. He was always uh, upbeat every time you saw him. He, he really loved the kids and he cared about our county in such a manner that uh, he should be honored in that way. And his memory and his legacy for what he's done for this county should never ever die. Everybody should always uh, uh, keep him and his family in your prayers and your thoughts. And uh, I think we should do something big here in Liberty County for Coach Warner. Uh, uh, my kids go to Bradwell, but I still have heart for liberty. So uh, thank y'all so much, and uh, thank my staff, and I thank all the citizens here in Liberty County for believing in not only myself, but the Liberty County Sheriff Office and all our commissions. So thank y'all for everything that y'all do as well. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, sir. And uh, with, uh, being being. All right, that's a, a Liberty County proud moment for us. Congratulations to you and your staff. Okay. All right. Well, Ms. Ms. McLaughlin's under the weather, so we'll it, have to defer yeah. from this chairman. Defer to you, or are we gonna? Uh, not for <laughs> monthly, monthly report, I'll be working All right, so, okay, all right. Uh, move on to engineering then. Engineering report. Yeah. Is, is Mr. Long under the weather too? <laughs> yeah. We got one that looks better than Trent. Probably getting ready to fly back. He went on vacation. Okay, though. all right. Um, he should be back Monday. Good to have you, Brandon. But uh, Brandon Purcell with TR Long Engineering, uh, standing in for Trent. Uh, I believe every one of y'all got a list of the projects Trent's actively been working on the past month. Uh, and I can read off a few, but there's any that y'all have any particular interest in. Uh, or needing questions answered on, I'd be happy to do that uh, to the best that I can. Uh, just, do you want me to read off all of them or just? Uh, he normally does an overview. We we don't particularly, you know, do line by line by line. Okay. So if there's anything 
Did he ask, did he give you any particular instructions? No, he did no, not. No, not really. It was just uh, a commissioners. Um, uh, do you all have any special questions? Any? I got one. Okay. All right. Now, he, he, if he wanted to do what Trent does, Trent usually give us a cake and a check. Cake and a check. <laughs> uh, and a check. I'm not going to find a cake. I'm going to check. <laughs> uh, just got a, what was your name? Oh, uh, Brandon Purcell. Brandon. The issue with the projects that DOT is doing in the county, can you give some, shed some light on that? Uh, yeah, we've got several that they're working on. Let's see, there's the 84 corridor from 95 to Charlie Butler, or is there one in particular that you're- Well, like, let's say this is like the Shell Road, Shell Road. widening of the Shell Road. We didn't know- Shell Road. Mr. Thrift, there's something yeah. in the old- Those little safety- Yeah, the, the safety, okay. Uh, safety project, didn't you call that Mr. Brown? Isn't that what you call them? The DOT was doing some safety work? There's the Islands Highway right away safety project that's been uh, going there's, on. There's a list of several that, yeah, that we yeah. Kind of found uh, out they, they were doing. They were working off of Elam Church Road. I don't know if that was like a Long County project and they come into Liberty a little bit, but I don't know if that's, I, don't, I think that's our road. Well, so-, so They're okay, doing an yeah. overlay. So, Commissioner Stevens. <laughs> discovered discovered folks working uh, and 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 that was a new discovery um, none of us actually had an idea that GDOT what they had done is had some leftover uh, safety improvement money and um, I know he found out and, and we dug in to say well what is it and how did you decide so it was a hurry-up project evidently that GDOT did it actually came out of their Savant office for right. administration, which is different and it is about eight different uh, roadway enhancements that, that are really taken off of traffic safety data right. that they gather. And so they decided which ones to try to enhance. So there were um, uh, some uh, minor arterial sections that were done. There were some... Uh, Striping. Yes, yeah, sir. There were, some, there were some sections that were done because of uh, traffic accidents uh, and safety. So th that's what we've been able to find out. But uh, your news that day was, was good news. It was <laughs> yeah. Also, it was also news we scrambled around with, too, to try to figure out, you know, in a good way, how that ended up here. So uh, that, is, that is how they, GDOT made those selections on their own. There's no participation by the county required. They're 100% GDOT-funded projects, which is good. But there was overlap on some of the ones we were doing, right? There was some overlap, and then uh, Brandon been able to go back, talk to those folks. We pulled our participation off of those projects, right. which was good news, because now we're going to be able to do uh, uh, raise pavement markings yep. on some of those that we are going to do uh, with some of the money we were planning to have to match with. Right. So actually, uh, it was actually 16, 16 projects. Oh, more, yeah. In Liberty County? Do, yeah. uh, because they were on... Um, well, Cemetery Road, and that's a county road. Mm -hmm. Are they doing county roads? Yes, ma'am. They're doing oh, okay. county roads, right. Based on, uh -huh. based on traffic and safety. Mm -hmm. they, they moved to, from yeah. Elam to Well Cemetery. I think it was just a lack of, of communication somewhere down the line there. But yeah. I'm glad that they, they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Do, uh, do we have a, a list of all the projects? We do. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I didn't bring I, it in. I, I didn't bring it with me, but I got a list in the office I can supply you with. Let me share it with everyone. Yeah, sure. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. I think you're gonna have an easy night. Bro. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll coach. LCPC. I know I saw. There she is.
Good afternoon, Chairman and Council uh, Commissioners. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We know you have, nice to, you have to transition between councils and commissioners. So our first, my first item to present this evening is the uh, final plat for the colonies at Habersham Plantation Phase 3D. Um, you should be pretty familiar with this by now. It's Habersham Development Group and TR Long Engineered Project. This one is, um, they're doing phase three in, in parts for final platting. And this is 11 lots on 11 acres. And this is off of Wilkins Road, which is off of Habersham Road. Next. Oh, I do that, sorry. Oh, there we go. So this is the overall uh, outline of phase three. You may recall that they actually amended phase three, so it bumps out a little bit to the west there to include three more lots on the adjacent property. So these are the phases to this point. Um, the red was phase 3A. The, B, uh, the blue is phase 3B. Purple is phase 3C. All of those were eight lots, and now we're up to phase 3D, which is in green, and it is 11 lots total. The final plat is in two sheets. Go, to the, go ahead. So um, basically, those three, <coughs> I do it here. So these three lots here are the ones that are on the, partly on the adjacent property, and um, then there are eight more lots down here, or actually seven lots down here, and this next one here is, is picked up on the next, um, next slide. There we go. Oh, I'm sorry, if I can just go back one more. I meant to point out. So the yellow is, being, is the street that's being dedicated to the county, and the, what's a, a change from the preliminary plat is while this green area was originally kind of split between the, the, the lots that it was going to go through, they've now made that a common area, and that'll be dedicated to the HOA. And then there's those two remaining lots shown on the net. So this, um, the revised preliminary plat did have 55 lots. And as I mentioned, the other uh, phases so far had eight, and now we have 11. Each lot will have a private on-site uh, sewage disposal system, but will be served by the privately owned community water system. Um, in anticipation, I, um, the Liberty County Department needs to sign off on this plat, but they haven't yet. They have all the information, they just actually haven't gotten their approval yet. So I need to change our recommendation on the last slide when we get to that. So as I mentioned, the dedications to the county include, um, that, shouldn't, that should be 0.18 mile extension of Wilkins Road for a total of 1.29 acres. And then the drainage system within the streets is also a responsibility for the county. The HOA will have that uh, three-quarter of an acre common area that they'll be responsible for. And the drainage easements for the lots that butt up and go into the pond, that'll be um, dedicated to the HOA or the property owner. Uh, the sidewalks and street trees are not in yet. And the installation and maintenance guarantees in the form of a cash escrow have been provided in the amounts indicated. Uh, the secondary improvements, $25,035.50, and the maintenance bond uh, check for $7,588.35. So to amend this, because we don't have the Department of Health approval, um, we are recommending approval with standard and special conditions. And this special condition is that prior to this final, uh, this final plat has to be approved by the Department of Public Health. Any particular reason you don't have that yet? Are they just behind and, you know? They, the, 
So the Department of Health was looking for soil surveys, mm -hmm. and they were submitted as far, I'm not quite sure when, maybe Brandon can. Yeah, so they're, they are just, I believe they're a little understaffed over yeah. there. So it is taking longer than usual. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. But nothing moves forward without that? No. Okay. No, the final plat will not, I won't bring it to um, anybody to sign, to, to Mr. Brown to sign until we have their signature on it. Okay. And it won't be recorded, of course, until then. And Joey or Jeff, remind me, uh, we've been through these things so many times. If the HOA ceases to function, then places like the green space that becomes county responsibility, a county responsibility by request and acceptance from the county? It would be the latter. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. No responsibility. Okay. It's not automatic that it's, it's not okay. All right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Excuse me. <clears throat> Are these going to be in the visual septic system out there? Yes, they are, and that's why the county uh, Department of Health mm -hmm. has to approve Okay. Mm -hmm. What about the water system? The water system is a private private community water system. It's the same one that serves the rest of the uh, phases one and two. It's on the corners. You just come into the, the subdivision. It's there on the left. It is a privately owned community water system. Mm -hmm. I know this may be a question way in front, but just to throw it out, <clears throat> do you know if that water system will be able to if we ever run county water on down that road, down 196, will it be able to equal up to what we have as a county water system to supply fire protection within that area? I'm gonna to defer to T.R. Long, or maybe the developer, Charles Way, knows about that. Oh, sorry. Hey, how are y'all tonight? <laughs> You're back. Uh, <laughs> I'm here every three months, seems like. Um, I'm not the owner of the water system. That's water utility management out of Savannah. Um, but Trent has looked at the water system and he's, and it's all been tested, inspected, chlorinated, you know, all the, the usual protocols for that the EPD requires to have a community well. Um, it's an eight inch water main through there, which is the typical size for a subdivision of this, this size. And that well that's in place was originally permitted and approved and installed for the entire Habersham development, which I think was pushing 900 units. And these three phases combined will only have a little over 100. So in terms of capacity and pressure and all those sorts of things, it's way over designed from what it was usually originally intended for. And Mr. Chair, the reason why I asked that question, because I know we got a lot of construction going on. And if we don't continuously upgrade our fire service, we're going to, we, we're actually behind the eight ball now, and that's why I'm asking about that water system to make sure. But we still got to have more than just water. So we need to take a look at that as we continuously approve all of these projects, you know, to make sure that we can provide service. But how, how would Liberty County be providing water service to this project? I think On the county water system that runs out, if it ever goes down 196, mm -hmm. yeah. I think he, he was contemplating. And to tie in. Contemplating a time when the water system may be at some point connected to the Liberty County system. Right. So, so it would have a loop in it and do some stuff later I, on. Yeah. I don't know if that's right. legally a possibility or not, That's, uh, but it, it's that's privately owned. I don't think that, it would, that they would ever be able to, yeah. to 
give it to the to the county. I guess they could give it to the county, but yeah. it's part of a business. I doubt they would. I don't private land, but they would rather they sure want public protection. Commissioner Steve, sorry, I made, <laughs> yes, I made a note to get with yeah, okay. Mr. Long to talk about how that system could tie in. Right. If the water system owner later on said we'd like to just connect to the county water and use the appurtenances in place, would, <laughs> would it function with the pressure that would come to it? So I'll, I'll follow, I'll follow. Yeah, I, I, I don't know Trent. the ins and outs of that, but okay. I, I think Trent probably does. All right, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell Trent you passed the test. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can I have a question? Um, on the 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 uh, on that phase, is it uh, curb and gutter? Or is it just open roadside ditches? Uh, well, most of the, there's no curb and gutter in the subdivision. That's part of the the plan development standards that are approved for it. Mm -hmm. This particular phase, because of it, will not have roadside ditches. These 11 lots, because of the natural fall that goes from the high side of the phase mm -hmm. to the wetlands that are on the other side, mm -hmm. those will have front yards that will tie directly to the asphalt. And we and instead of crowning the road and going to ditches on both sides like we normally would, mm -hmm. that road has been pitched on one side, so mm -hmm. it all runs directly across. So there will be no driveway culverts or ditches in these 11 lots. Now, when you, when you get to the next phase and it goes back to, to flatter land, then at that point the ditches will resume and they'll go into pipes that will collect it and take it to that big detention pond in the center of the project. So uh, upstream, what do you have? Um, roadside ditches? Uh, well, the previous phases, yes, have roadside ditches. And then <coughs> the following phase after this will also have roadside ditches. Because again, they're sitting on sort of flat terrain. Mm -hmm. and that's the, on the only way to move the water from one place to another. But in this particular area, just because of the natural slope, we transitioned to just sheet flowing it across the road yes. instead of ditches. Okay. So yeah. the road would serve as the, the transfer the water down to the, and then the next phase. Yes. And there will be, there will be some, some small swales and collection areas there, but it will not be the ditches that, that we're used to seeing in there that have 18 inch pipes going through them and that sort of thing. It's, it's actually much better from a maintenance standpoint because mm -hmm. um, you don't have a ditch to clean out. All this stuff will, will be, will be grassed and sodded all the way up to the asphalt and then it will go straight into a detention pond. And what about sidewalks and stuff? Do you have sidewalks over there? The sidewalk will be installed with the builder. They usually put those in after they do the vertical construction so they, do, they don't get beat up and destroyed by subcontractors and vehicles. So that's, so that's what the secondary um, bond is for. So that's a performance bond for the sidewalks and the trees. Okay, thank you. Thank y'all. Commissioner Jones, I think this is your. Excuse me, sir, oh, Mr. Chairman. Excuse me. Um, where you describing the backside of that property where it slopes back and you're going to have a natural drainage, you describe um, this water when it drains, there's no ditches and all. You said uh, where would it drain to? I heard that Trent was describing something about the wetlands in the back of that property. Yeah, you can see it on the plat. There's a wetland line that it wraps around the back of some lots and then it kind of Yes, yeah, so all that hatched-in area there. Um, there's silt fence along that wetland, and so portions of the drainage from the yards will go directly into the wetland. But right now, it's it's, it's got silt fence protecting it, and then once it's all grassed and sodded by the builder, then yes, it, some of it will will flow directly into the wetland. But nothing from the road will go directly into the wetlands. That that will go into either that small detention pond. Right here, 
or it will go into a pipe that will take it to this large pond. All right, so all of the water, the rain water runoff and all does have a dedicated, um, I guess, path to follow to. Yes, and even, and even the areas that are, that are being privately maintained by the HOA or, or if, if, there, if there's an easement on a private lot, um, those easements will be dedicated to the HOA as well so that you're not relying on one individual landowner or homeowner to maintain drainage related to the road or the neighborhood. Everything out there will find its way either into that small pond, into the bigger pond, or to a very small degree, some of the, the, the backyards and that sort of thing will naturally just sort of sheet drain off into the, the wetland there. Mr. Chair, I got one other question. <clears throat> On the HOE, will they be responsible from lot to lot? Each individual will be responsible for what's in front of their house? As far as... Like, Maintenance-wise, so when you say turn it over to the HOA, uh, I believe that as far as all the the yards will be sodded all the way up to the edge of the road, whether it's a ditch or whether there's not a ditch, that that sod will be put down by the builder, and that it will be maintained by the homeowner. Where the HOA is responsible for maintaining is any common area that's not on a, a private land lot, lot okay. or in the detention pond. I had a question, uh, of course, I, I know this is Commissioner Jones's area, but we, uh, your retention pond, what standards do you have to meet and does the county have to meet to maintain those? Is there a certain type of vegetation that's got to be planted in there? Uh, I don't believe there's any vegetation standard. It's more about the volume of the pond and how much water it can store. Um, and Trent has run all those calculations. That big pond in the middle is almost as big on its own as all of these lots put together. It's got a lot more capacity than it needs. And there's already a control structure built in that pond. It's got a concrete structure with two big pipes and it goes into that small pond. And there's another control structure that bleeds it out slowly into the wetlands. But as far as it being a wetland, and that's not gonna be a wetland bank, but it'll be a retention area. You don't have to meet, I'm, I'm saying the state don't require anything like that as far as cattails, uh, cypress trees or anything like that, it, nothing? How big has that got to be to? Uh, no, sir, the state doesn't require any of that as far as the ponds. Uh, the only thing like uh, uh, Ms. Charles was saying that it has to meet a certain capacity. So if sediment starts filling up the pond, it would need to be maintained for that degree, but that would be the only only issue that you would have to as far as the pond, cattails, trees. Okay. I just noticed around Hinesville when they have a ditch and uh, they're using it as a retention, and one of them I was thinking about in front of the YMCA, <laughs> you've got to have so much green uh, stuff planted in there, but in these areas here you're saying you don't. Now, Depends if you're talking about a bio retention area or just a plain retention area. Now there is a difference between the two. This is just a plain uh, detention pond. Uh, plain as in? Uh, just ordinary pond like you would see anywhere else. Uh, it has a control structure to manage the release of storm water, right. meet your post and uh, uh, storm, runoff, storm water runoff rate. But as uh, far as the bio retention, that's when you have to have the certain vegetation uh, and that's treating water quality 
as opposed to water quantity, more or less, uh, if you want to look at it from that perspective. And it does have to have a certain well, type just, of vegetation. I mean, I was trying to piggyback on what Mr. Jones had said. I mean, we know that if it's got a hole in one end, it's going to run out. Right. So I'm just uh, wanting to make sure that, you know, it, it does have a some type of filtering process. Yes. It'll go through these wetland areas here. All of those, those hash marks obviously has some vegetation in it now, right? Yeah, the existing wetland does, and that won't be disturbed. Okay. Yeah. And the, the larger pond, it, it does have vegetation along what I would call the, the toe of the slope where, where the land meets the water. And it's, it's a deep pond. So the ponds you see with, with vegetation planted in them are usually intended to be dry. And part of that, those trees are to soak up the water so that it does stay dry. This one is designed to be wet, so you're not going to find any vegetation except on the, the perimeter edges. Mm -hmm. And there is natural vegetation that, that we're allowing to grow in there, both to, um, well, mostly to, to prevent erosion. And then the small pond in that green area there, um, it's been in place so long, it's got trees, shrubs, it's fully vegetated all, all the way around it. Um, and then it's got a, a rock structure that keeps the water from spilling out full force into the wetland. It's allowed to build up and then trickle into the wetland as opposed to rushing out like through the end of a pipe. So it's a pretty deep pond then? Mm -hmm. And it'll have a fence around it? No. Hmm? Most of them don't. Most of them don't. Most of them don't. Mm -mm. Most of them don't. Mm -mm. Most of them don't. Mm -mm. I said most of them do not. Uh, some of the homes, like I have one, uh, HOA in mine, and with a pond in back of it, the homeowner may put one. Most of the, most to, of the houses in, in, well, I will say this, none of the the previously built ponds have fences around them, no. but most of the homeowners yeah, they'll put their own have it on and put their own privacy mm -hmm. fence yeah. in it. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of the, um, the ponds that are on the perimeter of the road, not the one, the big one in the middle, um, they've they've been there so long, they've got pine trees, trees and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty well blocked off. But. Just a question. I just, sure. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's not everybody in there going to have, you know, two or three ribbons from the swim team, but I just want to <laughs> make sure. I mean, you know, it's a, that's a question that needs to be asked a lot of times. Uh, uh, and, and a lot of these, the ones that back up to the to that large pond in the middle, you'll see those lots, some of them are 250, 300 feet deep from the house on back, and it slopes very gently down to that pond. It's not like it's a bluff kind of thing where you step off right. and you're, you know, into six feet of water. It's, well, yeah, I it's understand a, it's that. A it's, yep. But I like those better. But they look pretty. Mm -hmm. Three-year-old can get in there. Yep. <clears throat> Mr. Right. Chairman. That's all I've got. Um, we had, I had chance to, uh, ride the entire development mm -hmm. and looked at the back end back there where y'all developing this final phase. Um, I, I'm aware that we have some issues with drainage Drain. now on the front part, the first part, the newer homes um, that we haven't satisfied the homeowners yet. You mean the, uh, the very, the very first, first phase that's built in 2013 or 14? Yeah, the first phase, I believe it is. And um, I've had uh, phone calls from the residents that wondering what are we going to do to take care of the 
drainage that's not there now. You know, the road, uh, water sitting in the yards, not draining, don't have no place to drain. It's got ditches, but the water's not getting to the ditches. Um, are we going to have the same issue with this new uh, last phase? Because we haven't really satisfied the drainage on the front part yet. Yeah. And I agree with you. There are some drainage problems in that first phase. I can't speak to that terribly specifically because that was a long time before I was involved with it. Um, but I will say the drainage that is set up and the, the phases that we're doing now um, is following a, a set of plans by, by Trent. And the, the biggest thing is that a lot of those problems in the first phase were caused by homeowners who have gone and tried to, you know, do things themselves. I mean, you know, one guy built a little ramp so we could drive his, you know, tractor trailer into his yard and that kind of stuff. Um, so I can't speak for individual homeowners messing things up, just like they may mess up, you know, they may <laughs> mess up the asphalt in front of their house or run over the sidewalk. But the phases that we've done so far, you go out there after it rains and all the water is flowing in the right direction. You've got silt fence in front of all the pipes to keep them from silting in. And then all that stuff is going to be permanently sodded. And once you've got permanent grass down, if it stays, if it's watered, then that erosion becomes much less of an issue. So I think that these phases are, are done much better than that first phase. But again, I wasn't involved in that one, so I, I can't be too specific. Mr. Chair, I got one more question. Who's the road going to be turned over to the county? So we got water sitting on the first stage now. If you got water sitting on the road now, in about two, three years, Mr. Chairman, it's going to be just like that other subdivision on 196. I can see it coming now, and then the county, they're going to come back to the county, wanting the county to repair it. So we need, we, need, we need to seriously address these drainage issues. There is, a, there is a, a spot in the first phase when you come in near where the well site is that's holding water that the homeowner, or I'm sorry, the home builder um, added dirt and graded that yard out. They did not follow the, the slope of the road, and they trapped water right there in front of that yard. Um, if you notice where the water is holding, there is no ditch there. And, and, so, and they didn't put any kind of swale or anything. So it's trapped there because the builder and their landscaper are not trying to pass the buck on anybody, but I was not involved in it. Um, but I, I know why it's holding there. If you go back to this phase here, we've paved um, 24 lots prior to this one, and now we've paved the entire road all the way back around. You can ride through phase three, which I'm doing. After a rain, you will not see any water standing in any of the roads. Um, all the ditches are appropriately sized to match the 18-inch or 15-inch driveway pipes and all that water is going where it's supposed to go. I, I, you're, you're correct. You leave water standing on a road long enough, it will cause an issue. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I think we have to separate phase one from phase three. Yeah, and we are. We're not blaming you. We're just, we're just saying no, what no, the I problem is I just, out I there now. Excuse me, Mr. Chair. Is phase one a, a part of the HOA as well? Phase one, as I understand it, is subject to the covenants. Mm -hmm but is not part of the HOA as far as paying dues. Um, and that was an oversight of the original developer. They recorded covenants that controlled the size of the house, what you could build, but they did not set up an HOA to collect dues and that sort of thing. When I started phase two, which was before this one, 
we set up a new HOA and made and enforced all of those lots before I sold them to the builder, they are required to be part of the HOA and pay dues, as will phase three. But phase one, again, it was, uh, it was developed in 2007 or eight, and they built houses in 2013. I didn't show up here until about 2020, so that's, that's one that it was uh, an oversight from the original developer. Well, y'all, let's, let's defer that to Trent, to our account engineer, for his recommendation. And, and, we, and, we, and just for the record, we have sent letters to all the homeowners in phase one, mm -hmm. um, asking them to join they the HOA. They want to join, yeah. And a couple of people have, but most have not, because that means they got to pay dues. That's exactly right. So yeah. until they need something fixed, um, mm -hmm. that is not the county's responsibility, they will probably not join. We know the drill, my friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, I, I know that we, we're dealing with this, but um, that is a, uh, something to think about. If that phase one um, was put in wrong and it's holding water, it's ours now, right? I mean, is it does it belong to the county? The roads were dedicated to the roads and streets were dedicated over so there. So it's ours. Mm -hmm. So if, if it is doing that and if it's just going to sit there and, um, you know, mm -hmm. cause a deterioration or something, that's something that Trenton, I mean, that's Clinton and Trenton. We need to get yeah, Trenton to give us a recommendation. It's ours now. Yeah. Yeah, so I that's think no what sense needs thing. to happen. Um, I think that, excuse me. I, think, I, no, I think the difference between uh, Commissioner Stephen, what's going on over there, and what's going on in the trails is the trails was never ours. That's true, but, but, but I'm, but, I'm just using it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's a great example, but but this one is ours if we accepted it mm -hmm. in 2007 or 2013 when the uh, warranty or whatever is mm -hmm. already, it's ours now, so. Mm -hmm. um, we have every right to go in. There's no sense in letting it just sit there and fester because it, mm -hmm. it, it will only get worse. Okay. I would recommend, I think, a, a good way for y'all to 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 achieve that is, is from an enforcement standpoint. That's so when they come thinking. out and do a final CO inspection for the houses, mm -hmm. if they include the, the, the grading and drainage as part of that CO inspection and not just the vertical components of that house, mm -hmm. um, you know, if, 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 if the building inspector, for example, had seen that house and come out and seen water standing there, they could have said, that water stand there, you need to take some dirt out or, or mm -hmm. you know, do something different. At this point, it's been that way for six or seven months. But I do think, especially when you've got roadside drainage like this, mm -hmm. if they make part of that part of their CO inspection, then they can enforce that the landscapers and the, and the builders yep. grade it like it's intended to be, to be graded. Yeah, we, we, we got, we got a, a system for doing that. Mm -hmm. yeah. we, we just need to um, do it. I love money. That's right. That's why I said. Mr. Yeah. Chairman, uh, one more question on, I guess we want to move on. But uh, so I understand that we're speaking back on phase one. Um, any of the homeowners from the phase one, if they have any grievances or issues with drainage, stormwater, et cetera, it's not the HOA's responsibility, it's ours. Mm -hmm. okay. That's why I said we need to get Trent involved in it. Right, and I, I guess, Mr. Chair, that's why I was asking the question, because I know you gave an example of, of one of the reasons why the drainage is an issue is because one of the homeowners built a ramp. There's been several instances of homeowners having a landscaper or someone come in and right, right, add right. dirt to the ditches or right. That, that's why I asked the question about about them with the with the HOA. But even if they're not a part of the HOA, they still have to follow the covenant, correct? Which the yeah, the covenants are revolving around things like fences and. So um, it doesn't have anything to do with the with the drainage. 
and what they can and cannot do? No, that's typically more of an HOA document type thing. And again, what they recorded was about two pages of covenants. Okay. It was very limited. And so now, again, for phase two and phase three, they all have a full mm -hmm. HOA agreement, and they have to be part of that. But phase one just didn't happen that way. Right. So is, is, is that, since phase one isn't in it, will that, I guess, inadvertently have some type of uh, issue with phase two and three with the drainage? You don't think so? No, because, well, so phase one and phase two do share one pond. Okay. But even though those they aren't in the HOA, there's still a drainage easement okay. around that pond. And that easement was given to the HOA. So as far as any common drainage, mm -hmm. the HOA can take care of that. Now, if it's... It might be individual. If it's, if it's out by the driveway in front of their house, right. okay. that's going to be either the homeowner or the county at this point, at least in phase one. All right. Duly noted. All right. You're taking some good notes over there. So, okay. Yeah, I, I see code enforcement being involved. You can't have people just doing things <laughs> that's going to inversely affect the drainage. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's our part. Uh, let's see. Where were we? <laughs> Put that back up just for yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Motion. Um, LCPC's recommendation is approval with the mm. condition that it received Department of Health right. approval. All right, sir. Mr. Jones. Uh, Mr. Chairman, is it uh, customary for us to make um, motions for approval or denial without the uh, health departments? Just add that to your motion, and, and it becomes a part of the uh, recommendation. So it would be a special condition? Is that, called, is that considered special? Special condition, okay. correct. All right. We'll we'll fix the language if you you just give us the basic motion. We'll, Mr. Chairman, um, I'd like to make a motion that we grant approval for the uh, final plat for the colonies at Habersham Plantation Phase 3D, as recommended by the LCPC staff. With special conditions. With special conditions added. All right. The second of that motion? Second. All kinds of seconds. You did a good job. You did a good job. All right. I think we've had a good discussion. All in favor, let them by show of hands, please. All right. And, so, and thank you for helping us have a little workshop, too. <laughs> you know, I think we uh, learned some things and yep. we helped us. Chairman, I know, um, excuse me, I know we've already made the motion, but uh, you usually um, use this one, but did we have any opposition for approval of the plat from in the public? We would do that as a public hearing, it wasn't a public hearing. So. Okay, all right, so uh -huh. I'm learning. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Thank you. Not a bad question. Gotcha. All right, let's see. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <clears throat> Service delivery strategy, are you doing that too? Um, Brown, they're familiar with this? They're familiar with where they're mm -hmm. in the water. Okay. Yeah. So in order to get this final approval, um, this was before the Liberty Regional Water Resources Council, which is, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it is a council that's made up of uh, Chairman Lovett and all the mayors in the remaining municipalities. They met in May about this, um, I think it's a PDF. 
Uh, okay. Oh, you got? <laughs> yeah. okay. we, we have our paper. We, yeah. You got paper copies yeah. in the maps, mm -hmm. and you're familiar with it. So, um, so the, water the Liberty Regional Water Resources Council met in May, and they did recommend approval of it. Now, in order before we take it to the Department of Community Affairs, we need um, each municipality and the, and the Board of Commissioners to approve the change. And so um, there is a resolution in your packet and a copy of Form 4, which if you approve the uh, resolution, that uh, Chairman Lovett would sign that and Form 4 certification that goes to the DCA. If I, I don't want to oversimplify, but basically it's the Lewis Frazier piece and the... It is, it is yes, sir, as shown on the map. It's, it's the Lewis Frazier extension piece with a little bit more service delivery potential yeah. area added that just ties into that piece. Uh -huh. Also, uh, everything on this side of the railroad tracks that borders up to the Flemington city limits. Okay. Yeah. I and call there, it Liberty County High. Okay. Yes, and there was yeah. one other small change. Uh, for some reason, our service delivery map didn't include, didn't show Hinesville serving the, the County High School. So now we've mm -hmm. made that change to reflect how it's actually. Okay. Mr. Chair, yes, got a question on this. <clears throat> you know, we've talked about going on down Lewis Fraser Road. Has there been any talked about trying to meet up with the city of Riceboro and their water system? Not direct conversations as far as making the connection yet, but we will be where we can make the connection once we do our extension. And it'll just need to be an intergovernmental agreement that two bodies consider if they want to join the assistance. And what about Midway still? They had many conversations with Midway because we're really not doing anything on that side over there right now. Right. I know yes, once when we first went at it, we tried it, but it didn't. But we got the opportunity to meet Riceboro and meet Hinesville, wherever they quit at, yes, sir. to add that service, a continuation. So if anybody has a problem, everybody should possibly still receive water. Yes, sir, I agree. All right, I thank you, Philip, for me with that. The chair entertained a motion to approve the uh, Liberty County Service Delivery Area Expansion. Let me use that word. I'll move, Mr. Chair. I wanted to ask a question, which is, I guess Trent's office would know it, but we're not to the overpass yet. Aren't we still at at Cofer, Leroy Cofer Highway? I, I, thought it I, believe, I believe that's correct because I know we were trying to get that property um, where the old oil company was there and we were going to serve that, but I don't think our service line went in there. I don't I think, think, I our think our it's out there in 84. I don't think so either. So we need to, that needs to change because it's showing mm -hmm. from the overpass back toward Hinesville, right? Is that what the... That's what the amendment will do. Is. Mm -hmm. But I think it actually stops somewhere about church, the corner of the church. I'm not positive about it. Not I just... Either um, I remember there was a lot of talk about board under the, in, the, mm -hmm. the railroad, and from me reading this, it says from McIntosh Mountain, which... Well, so, so here's in that, is that I, on the other side of the mountain. No, sir, or on this side of the no I, I think we're on the same sheet of music. What we're actually doing here is really, it's really, what we're doing here is amending the area that you can serve in the county, not necessarily do what serve. you do serve. And so that's the reason we're having to do the expansion. So it doesn't hurt for it to go ahead and show. I mean, this is what the plan shows already. This in DCA. 
It shows that we are, that is our territory. If we want to carry it to the railroad tracks and it's not there, right. we're okay. What it didn't show was going beyond that. So this is just our zone, whether we have current service in it or not. And, and I am not sure whether it goes all the way to railroad. So, so there's no problem as far as the adoption, what you're going to do tonight. Right. It's just we got to build that in to extend further. I mean, this is just something from, from LCPC. This is not a binding document right well, here. Well, I know we want to agree on it, but mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that we're... Yeah, so what, what happens is um, Department of Community Affairs is going to issue, much like fire response zones, and they don't do that, but just like you'd have a fire response area, this is a water response area. And so the difference is you have to submit a water service delivery zone to DCA as part of your comprehensive land plan if you have a water service. And so that's what we've done. This is our water surface zone, whether we currently are there or plan to go there. And so it is correct. It is, I say, what you say binding. It can always be modified through the same process, but what it did not include was the territory we want to go serve now. And so we're having to submit that map change of potential service area. I'm okay. sorry to complicate that. Yeah. But it, it's, um, it's just basically we're doing this in order to serve this potential growth. That's yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Staking our claim. Staking our claim. Staking our claim. Yes, sir. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You good? I'm it. I know the motion died. It's been a little while, so you want to make a motion that we accept it? Okay. Just second to that. I'll second it. Motion in a second. We approve the expression of the uh, Liberty County Water Service Delivery Area. Any further discussion? All in favor by show of hands, please. Those opposed? All right. Thank you, Mr. Day. Just that one. Oh. With the last one to them, um, just like we, we completed, it's made us rounds. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We'll call that the John Macabre Spur. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Adoption of budget. Yes, I'm, I'm, I feel I feel almost certain she's watching, so I hope I don't miss <laughs> You better. Um, she will get you. And I'm, and I'm glad I don't have my phone with me. She does a great job. She'd text me to let me know that I'm she would. messing up, so I'm, not gonna, I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> I'm going to try to be real, uh, as short as you want me to be tonight, too, uh, without redundancy. You received a uh, overview last time of the proposed budget for 2023. Um, that Ms. McLaughlin did. Uh, we had the public hearing it was required. You're required to have only one public hearing as part of that budget process. Uh, what I've made you tonight and put it at the diocese for you there was the uh, comparative review, just as an over, overview here of the 2022 as, composed, as proposed to the 2023. Um, you see the budget increase amount there, but you're looking at basically a budget adoption coming in of July 1st of 48 million, 125. Uh, 227. The next page again, you've seen some of these. It's just the 
uh, a breakdown in general government sector of things that are additional personnel and benefits uh, as recommended and reviewed by the board uh, and committee uh, in its work on the budget. Those were also presented to you last time in somewhat of a detail sheet over what was proposed and what was deferred uh, as part of that review process. Um, also on there, you see the proposed uh, FY 2023 capital items that, would, that are proposed to be, that are on that sheet, proposed to be bought with general fund appropriations um, during, during the budget year. I'll stop there for a second and say the sheets, the details sheets you saw last time also showed some recommendations for taking some of the capital items that were proposed or requested by the departments and funding them in a couple of other different ways too. I won't, won't go into detail on that unless you ask me to tonight. I do have that list with me. Uh, some of those other funding sources other than the general fund budget uh, were potential ARPA funds for some of the qualifying capital items. There were also some capital items that because of the monetary amount the board felt could be bought out of existing FY22 funds. So uh, those have been marked as such and we're moving forward with those. Uh, the others are some items that would uh, have been included in a potential splash seven uh, ballot list uh, for some of the larger funding items that were in your CIP uh, process. The last two slides are just, uh, I won't read those to you. Those are issues <coughs> she went over last time to remember as part of all of our budget processes that we do. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to do that. <coughs> a couple of notes there, and I know that I had a question uh, proposed uh, from outside today, and it was a good one. Uh, there were some changes to our revenue sources uh, where uh, general service fees that are collected uh, went up a lot. One of those obviously was related to the acquisition of EMS uh, during last year, and so now those revenue sources, what revenues there are, are netted back and shown those, those things. But that is pointed out to you there, as well as um, the budget coming in this year also uh, continues for your commitment to also staff some firefighters uh, and make some moves there as part of the continued build of that department, which we're not there yet. Uh, some of those are anticipated to be in the, in the first sector of 23 and the others would come on board uh, if the station, the main station gets completed during this fiscal year cycle. Quickly on that special sheet, the only thing I will mention on that, in recognition that um, our fiscal years in July 1st and runs to June 30th, it's often difficult to be able to project exactly what the revenue may be from your digest that is being prepared right now and will be finalized probably in July. So you're, you're forced every year for the public to, to know that you, you go out, you look at what's needed from the departments, you make a conscientious effort to go in there and, and, and see what can stand to be funded in the best interest, and you make those recommendations going forward. You're then forced to get the digest out. Uh, digest will be presented to you. You'll actually see what revenue from tax sources you would receive at that time, and you can make a conscientious effort then to know what that extra revenue source, whether you need to go back in and make some reservations, uh, make some changes to the budget um, that is tentatively been approved. All that hot air is to say this. Most of the personnel requests uh, that were on the recommended sheet uh, have a starting period of 1-1-23. So been very cautious as a group, I think, to be able to say, look, we, we want to make sure that we get a complete look at all the revenue sources to be able to make the best informed decision that we can. 
I think there were only three positions out of the entire list that were proposed to come out July 1st. And so I just want to make that note again for the public to understand too with the, with the effort the commission makes to ensure it's going to achieve the revenue that it needs to to be able to fund these and if not to make the deferral until such a time as you know what that revenue source is going to be. So uh, the other thing, Mr. Chairman, I laid before you there and I know when the board met last time uh, there was some discussion about maybe taking a look at some other things um, that the commission might want to consider and we did have one submission. I made a copy of that. Uh, for all the commissioners and so um, for you to consider. So, yeah. I'm prepared to try to answer your question. Yeah. Chairman, uh, if it's talking the submission that, that I sent in, Joy, yeah. I, I think I, I was just looking at it, um, got it in red and black, you know, being a Georgia bulldog and everything. <laughs> um, and um, one of the ones, I guess the fourth one, um, I didn't call, call it that red because I was on a timeline. I had promised I was get you to it by 9 o'clock that night, but I got it to you by 9 o'clock the next morning. But, but anyhow, um, and, and, and Joe and I talked um, today, and, you know, and I knew this going in, and my, um, my um, position was, you know, like, like we, we hold the line on um, spending by, you know, maybe not um, – hiring these additional um, positions but we also um as y'all conceived a half a year you know we we'll know more by the end of the year and if it's a half year you know um we'll uh, we'll make that decision at that time so it won't impact anything um next well in the next couple of weeks but um it'll be by the end of the year which will start in january so that's good and then if we are not um where we need to be when we get ready to set the millage, then, you know, this is something that we can consider and probably just hold the line with um, just do the best we can with what we got because we don't want to um, impact the, you know, the cost to the, to the citizens, to, the, to our citizens. So that's, that's kind of why I put this in here it was just um, on the personnel side for um, hiring these additional employees that, you know, sometimes you just, you just have to try to do um, more with less, and sometimes you just have to, um, you know, do the best you can with what you got. So that that's what um, this submission was. I, I know that it wasn't um, the day the 15th, two weeks from the day, one from tomorrow, be the first, and um, we wouldn't, um, it wouldn't take place then. So we would hold off. So that's that's what this was. But just something for us to consider when it come down to setting the millage that um that we do have this kind of as a, a backup plan. Just for the good note, I think the reminds me one other quick thing I want to mention to you too is that these appropriations, even though you make them here, they will not be put into the departmental line items. They will rest in a special account that will ensure that you do have that chance to look before anything's moved out of here and moved in. If if it's slated for half a year on this sheet, yes, sir. Yeah. Now, and like you said, I think it's uh, maybe two or three on here that um, that would start in. July, but um, the majority of them it, it says in um, half a year. So, um, and there's some of them that's um, like one of them is like nine positions for half a year, and you know uh, eight positions for half a year. But you know we we'll make that decision um, sometime between nine to the next half of the year. Mr. Chair, yes, sir. Mr. Brown, and Mr. Chairman, <clears throat> let's say we go out somehow and find some more money out there. 
that could actually change this budget, right? We could come back and Absolutely. do more hiring. Yes, sure. Sure. Absolutely. I think you all know where I'm going. I see that look on your face, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> we need to find some more money. Yeah. I think I believe that there's some money out there that's not being accounted for. Well, then that's when we need to reduce the millage. That's correct. We don't need to spend it. Well, we need, we need well, first of all, it needs to be accounted for. Well, mm -hmm. I agree. And we can't because we contribute funds to these agencies, and if we can't get accountability, then we need to do the next thing, have them audit. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Brown, I did have a question. The um, proposed budget amount, does that, that includes this recommended personnel request? Is that correct? It, 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 does, right it, it does include the, the talk sheet, yes, ma'am. And the capital. Uh, and the capital that corresponds with the general fund only. Okay. At the All top. Right. All right. Yes, that's what I wanted to make sure of because that looks like that's what we approved, we approved mm -hmm. and we had been looking at for, for some time. For a couple, yeah. So I just want to make sure as to what we were going to, what was before us. Now, the other thing, item is the um request or that mr or commissioner gilliard had um sent in that that didn't change that has not been it has not changed okay okay and use okay yes sir okay well that would be all the that would be all the questions i've had because we've looked at and reviewed and discussed we did um, scale it back to half a year versus a whole year. So um, I think that I, I'm satisfied with that. And leaving all these items on there that we recommended, personnel and capital. We will be coming back to you concerning some of those other funding sources, such as ARPA, for some of these mm -hmm. things. We would like to see if in the July timeframe you could consider the addition of those two or three things into the ARPA budget, which you have the money to do. Uh, and they do qualify for it. So we'll mm -hmm. come back in July on that for you. Okay. Mr. Chairman. All right. Mr. Chairman, I've mentioned Joey today, and I'm sure all the other commissioners have seen where the Fed increased on the taxes. Interest rate. And what that's going to do. Uh, talk, just had an opportunity to have some dialogue with two builders, and um, we know what housing does for our community, um, but we also know what happens when they buy from Lowe's or buy from Harris Ace Hardware and, and use plumbing products from here. And, um, you know, on a, at 6% is where the interest is going to be. Uh, starting tomorrow morning, if it's if it's not right now, you're talking about adding another hundred and something thousand dollars to a 30-year loan. So you're going to have people that may slow our building down. Which, out of the 300 homes that someone would build in Liberty County, a lot of that material is bought local, and that's sales tax, and that cuts our sales tax back. So. Um, I, I think that what we've talked about, um, Commissioner Stevens brought it up, there may be some extra money. I say find it, but let's, let's try to look out for those folks that's not going to be able to pay this, that are filling out these sheets for ARPA grants and things like that. Let's try to help 
And then if we can start back growing, let's do. Um, Sheriff and I had a pretty good conversation here. He and he's telling me he needs these things. And I, 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 I said, you've been here just a short period of time. Let's sit back and, and let's see what winds up happening. I said, we can't just run out there and spend the money. We need to look at it and collectively decide what's the best. Um, and we'll do that with the fire department too. I mean, Brian's faced with that. Um, I mean, all you got to do is hit, tear one truck up and that's going, I mean, whatever it might be. Um, so it's, it's going to be a hard thing. And I'm just going to say the fund balance is still a very important thing to me. Uh, I've been preached that for some time and I think we need to make sure that there's a little something out there for some emergency that might come up. So I think we've all done a, a great job. I just think it's a, it's things has turned a little south here in the past three months and really in the past 48 hours. So you've been very prudent. I think it's uh, certainly a, a scary time. I don't want to use that word too harshly, but mm -hmm. I've been in a time like this since 1994. Uh, that you've seen the market do what it's doing, which, as you said, affects a lot of things with the interest rates going up, um, intangible recording tax, local option sales tax, a lot of things. Again, I think the method here will allow you to get at least a quarter look at that before the, the digest comes in, and then you can see if you need to adjust again. Yes, sir. All right. That's good. All right. Chair, entertain a motion then. So moved, Mr. Chairman. Second. Second. Motion second that we approve our proposed budget, knowing that it's fluid, as they say. You know, so any further discussion? All 30 day reports on that, Joy. Uh, yes, sir. We'll, we'll include those with the um, every month with your with your report. And, and just for the record, there, there are actually three funds that need to be adopted as uh, part of the process. You're right. You, Kim, we could, Kim we, will get you if you don't. Yes, right. I got it. She, she, she made me some notes. Okay. As, uh, actually, we talked about it yesterday. So um, actually, this is for the general fund. So if it's okay, okay. Uh, that all motion right. is said to stand for the general all right. fund. It is. Yes, sir. All, right. all in favor, show of hands, please. All right. Next one, please, sir. Uh, the next one would be your special revenue funds. Uh, these are, are required just by law that we adopt those as a separate separate entities separ that are out there that, that it's basically money in, money out is required by those funds. Okay. Entertain a motion. Mr. Chairman, I offer a motion that we approve the special revenue funds. Second. Second. Any further discussion? All in favor, show hands, please. All right, special revenue. Mr. Chairman, the the, other, the last one is for the SPLOSH and the Capital Projects Fund. And of course, as you know, there are continuing funds for a six-year period of time, but we're bound to just adopt a 12-month cycle in there, which you're familiar with. So it's the SPLOSH and Capital Projects Fund budget. Okay, SPLOSH and Capital. Chair and take the motion. I'll move, Mr. Chair. We have a second to that? Second. Uh, any further discussion? All in favor, show your hands, please. All right. Appreciate it very much, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, you did good. Yeah, Kim will be proud of you. All right. Ms. Rhonda Walthow is coming our way. 2022 election updates. Here the questions. We're going to have elections all year long, it looks like. Looks like it. It's going to be busy. <laughs> Happy to have an audit. Chairman Emeritus John McIver. Hello, sir. Good to have you, sir. Yeah. Rhonda, talk to him about how you paid the case. I'll be right back. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, first, I want to say good evening to everyone, and um, thank you for all of your support. 
Um, as of July 1, it'll be two years in this position, so wow. you couldn't have done it without your support. I so I say thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, truly grateful that you all entrusted me to handle the department and the, the, the actual uh, solid component of our democracy in the elections office. So I just want to say thank you. Um, what we decided to do, the board, uh, Chairman McCarver decided that we think that you all should be updated at least once a quarter to let you know what's actually going on with elections. Um, so this is the first quarter <laughs> going in the second, but um, we've completed the redistricting process. Hopefully everyone has received letters and the new um, voter registration cards. Um, we wanted to make sure that everybody understood the changes and what was going on with the elections department when it came down to voting for the May primary. Um, hopefully you all received yours in properly and in a timely manner. So I was wanting to make sure that you all knew that. Well, in, in full transparency, some of the cards did come after the election. Yes, and that was due to the Secretary of State. Okay. Note that we have ordered, we ordered those at least a month and a half in advance. Um, I guess because 159 counties were doing redistricting, mm. we got ours the day before the election. Wow. And I, the only reason I think we got them the day before the election because is because I had to make a call. And I spoke to Blake Evans, our chairman, um, where our elections director, and I just told him, you know, it is our duty to make sure that the electors know where they're supposed to go. And I had to put my foot down basically to say, hey, you all have a responsibility to get that to us in a timely manner, especially if you want us to hold on to the deadlines that you asked for. That generate many um, complaints from... Um, no, not really, not really. Um, the good thing is, I think when we went ahead and was being proactive, sending the letters out to say, hey, um, your precinct may have changed, um, we had lots of calls, lots of calls. and. They were grateful that we sent the information out and they knew where they could go to look on the MVP page to say, oh, my precinct did change or come to early voting. So they were satisfied. Oh, good. Um, right now we're in currently, uh, currently in early voting. Um, tomorrow is the last day from nine to five. We have two locations still, um, the Liberty Complex and here at the main mm -hmm. office. Um, we still are going forward with um, making sure that early voting is a, a smooth transition when you come in to vote. Um, we have a new system called Easy Vote. I think everybody has used it um, that has come to early voting and has been pleased. They don't have to fill out the forms anymore. The only thing they do is show their driver's license. We pull up their information and all they have to do is sign their name and choose their party a whole lot faster. Um, it makes that the time that they go in, it's probably averaging, in May, it averaged about five minutes. The only thing they waited for was the actual um, BMD machine to actually go into to do your actual cast your ballot. Okay? Okay. Um, <clears throat> we also um, are getting geared up for November. <laughs> and, um, you know, elections are never, it's never ceasing, just like you just said. Mm -hmm. um, we are having to do qualifying with uh, the Board of Education for District 1, and we have to do qualifying for District 4 for the Board of Education, and we're in the process now doing the intergovernmental agreement. 
to make sure that we are running their election. So those, it will be a special election in November, and it should not hinder um, the person, whoever gets uh, elected, uh, to go in right in January. So um, August will probably be the time that we do qualifying. We're just waiting on the dates from the lawyer, the county attorney. Okay. Okay. And just get ready, because November is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> how did your, your new precincts do, the, the ones that you... Uh stood up for the first time, how'd they all do? Um, it went rather rather well. Um, of course, you know, uh, I know Gum Branch was kind of disappointed that their building was not open, but um, <laughs> we explained to them what we're trying to do. Um, it, it's a lot. That, that building was extremely old, um, and I wouldn't want anyone to be in that building because I didn't feel safe for them all being in there, especially with us going through COVID. And it wasn't large enough, so we did, we did let them know we're trying to renovate and we're trying to be proactive when it comes to the election cycles in our future because Liberty County is growing. It's not, it's not a secret. It's growing. That area is growing. Um, the majority of the people that would go to that precinct is all from um, Griffin Park and Gum Branch, so it's getting big. It, you know, we have to be smart about it, so... That's, but they were okay. They were okay. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When you say the Board of Education, the Board of Education will actually pay because it's not a joint with the Board of Commissioners election this time. They will pay for that, this, this part of the election for District 1? No, sir. Yeah. Um, if, it's my understanding that if we are having an election anyway. and they have, if, and this coincides with our current election, they don't have to. Okay. Pay. It's on the November election day. Okay. Yeah, it's on the November right. election We'll be day. going to the polls anyway. Mm -hmm. Now, I just want to say this, Mr. Chair, <clears throat> mm -hmm. to the board of election, you and the board members who are present, you all are doing an awesome job down there. Well, thank you. <laughs> like, you, like you say, keep your foot to the floor. Yes, sir. I can't do it without you all and my staff. I, I really, I tell them almost every, I, when we have our team building every month, I try to make sure that they are under, they understand that I can't do it without them. Right. So thank you. Thank you. I think Commissioner Frazier had a question about schools. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to remind you. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> First of all, again, I want to reiterate what Commissioner Stevens said, that uh, you all are doing a, a great job over there. Uh, of course, you know, this, this year, uh, not only myself, but a few other of, of my fellow commissioners had to spend a little bit of time over there. And I can tell you it's comfortable. Oh, well, great. You can take that whichever way you want to. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I know we're, we're looking at, uh, like you said, the county is growing. Uh, this whole area is growing. I know we have discussed about the possibility of, of expanding uh, more precincts and, uh, and locations. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I mentioned a, a question about us sharing some of, the, of our existing. I, I know we're looking at, at building, which I, I understand, but uh, do you all think we have any existing buildings that we could we could use for some of these precincts? Like, for example, uh, with the Board of Education, I know a, a couple of our, our precincts that we currently have is with the Board of Education. So I just didn't know if if we could 
just look at that. Because even from a, a voter standpoint, most voters know where every last school is at, especially a, a, wherever they live. You know, uh, if if you live close to Bunt Gwinnett, you know where Bunt Gwinnett mm -hmm. is, or you know Lewis Fraser, whichever one. I, I was just seeing if that was a of option that that we could look at. You know, uh, dealing with our our fellow. Border education right down the street to see if if that's something that we possibly could do. Okay, um, with Bugwinet, we did close Bugwinet. Right. Um, what we did was combine every we split Fort Stewart. Um, Fort Stewart, the the is that the north end side where most of the mm -hmm. government where the housing was. Mm -hmm. A lot of those people did not come to vote. Right. So. We would be at a general election in November. Oh, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> at Bugging Gwinnett. And There'd be 10 people there. Exactly. I know. If 10. Right. Right. So we just chose to split Fort Stewart between Memorial Drive East and, um, and Bugging Gwinnett to, and the PAC Center so we could actually see the actual, the people. Mm -hmm. You know, it, I'd, I'd hate to waste taxpayer dollars and have five people at that precinct and try to use it and can't. Right. It, it, it didn't make any sense. So with the change, I think um, PAC Center ended up having, because they have Fleming, Flemington also, mm -hmm. um, and part of Fort Stewart. So uh, they had at least over, maybe over 150 voters this time. So we were trying to make it where you actually had some, some movement in right. that building. Right. Um, as far as the other schools, we did go venture out to um, Waldo Pafford and the other one, Taylor's Creek. Mm. There, the issue there was parking and students. We didn't want to take a chance of something happening to a, a child on election day because of buses and them trying to get the children to the buses. So that was now. If they build a parking space in that area, I wouldn't have any problem using the um, the actual schools. Okay. That, that was just something that you know I, I just wanted to. I mean, options to look at because I I know we still do use a few schools. I, I know we yes. use what Lewis Frazier and also. And uh, those are our top two. Lyman um, Hall, as far as absolutely highest. Right, and and that's what I I know for a fact. Lyman Hall is one of the mm -hmm. busiest. Uh, that is the busiest one. Absolutely. Um, um, especially with us changing, mm -hmm. um, some of the people around with the um, redistricting, mm -hmm. that precinct is now the top one. Right. That versus Liberty Complex. So right. it, it's it it was um, one of those things that we had to make a decision where, when we did the redistricting portion of it, we did not want. Um, people to have to drive from Flemington all the way to by the Walmart to Lewis Frazier. It just didn't make any sense. Right. That's too many miles and it's too much confusion. So we decided to try to make it a little bit more closer for the electors to get to their precinct. So if you lived across the street from Lyman Hall, guess what? Pretty much you're going. That's right. where you at. Right. So, Which right. is your number one precinct? Um, Lyman Hall is right Lyman now. Hall is on, I thought I would thought Lewis Frazier would have been better. Well, because we did some changes, okay. you have to remember Flemington was, used to be Lewis Frazier. Yeah. So now all of those residents that's in the municipality of Flemington mm -hmm. will be going to the PAC Center. Gotcha. Right. So that took at least 600 people away.
Okay. Mr. Chairman, I, I had a comment from Ms. Walter, and thank you. Mm -hmm. Y'all are doing a great job over there. But I think um, where well, we had the precinct at this past mm -hmm. uh, election, the, the folks there were that I was hearing from is the traffic and congestion being right there mm -hmm. at peak hours of the day. Okay. Trying to get in and out of there. Okay. I don't know if there's anything y'all may can do to alleviate that or not, but okay. that was some concern that they had. Well, that would be one of the things I look at. Definitely. You know, it's just a short distance when you mm -hmm. turn onto Elam Church Road and mm -hmm. then you got to right. turn back into right. the drive. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of traffic coming in and out okay. there, mostly from And Long keep County. in mind, we were trying to make that temporary. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we're going to get it. We're going we're gonna to get Thank it you. right. <laughs> I have confidence in Thank you. The new facilities that will be on Airport Road, the rec center, where Mr. Cribs made his contribution. Mm -hmm. Park. Mm -hmm. Will that have a any type of a building in it? Just a regular pavilion no, like any just other. just a pavilion. Just a pavilion. No, just a pavilion. Will this be an open space? Just yes. a pavilion. I, I was wondering because I, I, I went by St. Luke, and I, I, you know, the first thing you think about, of course, it would never happen on Georgia Power, but EMC, you don't ever know. <laughs> the lights went out. <laughs> Are you Fortunately, real? we have battery-operated uh, machines. Health backup. This day and time, you don't, you know, have to have that much of it. But um, it, it was pretty congested in there as yeah. far as mm -hmm. the getting in and out across the highway. Okay. I mean, you you got four or five people trying to pull in yep. from the Hinesville area, and you've got cars coming from the Ludwissy side, okay. and then the other one's trying to put in there. It was a it was a little bit uh, okay. congested, but you know, like you said, we're trying to get by, and maybe we can make something work. I don't know. Um, we'll have a new building. Before but there we... was no. I didn't mean nothing by that, Mister. I, I heard about, <laughs> about <laughs> the electricity part. You know, Mister. Let slipped out. That was the whole county. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Walthall. Thank you all. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Listen, and shout out to, I hate to call names, but you, uh, your Shannon did a marvelous job. Great, great. To get everything ready. I got to see more of what all he does. Well, what's funny is um, he received a text message today that the, the two liftgate trucks that we asked for mm -hmm. this election, they were already in the parking lot. So he must have talked to somebody that was, uh, <laughs> I think he said he talked to the CEO. Yeah. Ooh, so we can yeah. make sure. Yeah. That in the future, if y'all feel the need for us to have any box trucks, let them go ahead and <laughs> work that out. You <laughs> worked that out, didn't you? Yeah. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I carried it over again. <laughs> did a lot of last minute stuff to make it work. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Appreciate, appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's talk county wise. We're not going to recognize Mr. McIver here. He's leaving. He ain't going to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and, Mr. and Mr. Stafford. Hey, sir. Oh, was that McKesson? Uh-huh, it's McKesson. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who's that? You know, in, in all the years okay. um, I've... Oh, gosh, we're talking about trash. In all the years <laughs> I've addressed commissions, I've, I've actually never presented after um, somebody speaking about elections. And it actually got me thinking that... I'm very comfortable in the recycling world with, you know, our mottos, recycle off and recycle right. But, boy, you get in big trouble, you change that vote off and vote right. That, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
hadn't really had that before. So uh, John Culbertson, MSW Consultants, um, pleasure to be back before you. Um, I, um, I'm going to go right to my second slide. Let's see. Oh, gosh, do you only have a power? Oh, gosh, we only must have sent you a, an Adobe file and not the slides. I'm so sorry about that. We'll have to. So, uh, um, well, this will be uh, a little bit um, out of the ordinary, but I'll direct your attention to the bottom slide. Um, so I'm here because um, I had an opportunity to talk about uh, changes, you know, contemplating changes to the way uh, services delivered, sanitation services are delivered back in the March 17th meeting um, and got some, uh, some questions, some interest in, in talking about a couple of different alternatives. Uh, and so I'm back before you today to uh, provide some findings to the alternatives and questions that you provided. And also just to uh, update on some uh, research about service delivery in other counties uh, here in Georgia. And actually, I'll even speak more broadly than that. So go ahead, next, next page, please. Um, so uh, uh, last time, I something happened. I thought I'd had pictures in the last uh, presentation, and they ended up not making the final cut. So I was determined to have a couple of pictures. Quick refresh. Uh, historically, Liberty County's delivered services through its network of convenience centers um, as previously delivered. Now talking on the bottom slide, um, we had an opportunity to contemplate what would it look like to close the convenience centers and convert the county unincorporated area to curbside delivery of refuse collection and curbside delivery of bulk collection. Uh, and so that, that's, a, that's a big change. That's a big change. And I think it was not surprising um, you can't quite see at the bottom, but it was not surprising to get um, some feedback about are there some hybrids out there that would not represent such a big jump from strictly convenience center to strictly curbside, because that is a big leap, and that's going to change every single household in the county, how they're thinking about and interacting with the county for sanitation services. So, um, so we actually uh, defined uh, three different options based on the questions we got. Um, it's a little hard to see here, but uh, options one and two contemplate consolidating the convenience centers, uh, having a smaller number of convenience centers. Um, essentially, oh, oh, beautiful, thank you. Um, option one, so we're sticking with countywide polycart, right, providing the 90-gallon uh, the carts for everybody. But options one and two, we scaled back this notion of closing the convenience centers, and we looked at um, reducing the number of convenience centers, and, um, and I'll get to some of the considerations, but either to five, going from seven to five, or from seven down to three mega convenience centers. Uh, and then the last option was actually uh, directly in response to some of the discussion that uh, within Liberty County, and I think within Hinesville, um, there are some curbside services where residents get really excellent service. They can set out trash, they can set out bulk, and it all goes away all at once on the same day at the same time. Um, using some different collection technology. So, so those were the options we defined. Um, if we could flip ahead, this is definitely skilled use of an Adobe file. It is. That yeah, that's Yay, great. Yay, Mike. Great. <laughs> uh, so just, just some quick, uh, uh, some quick um, photos just to, again, just have this fresh in your mind. Uh, talking a little bit about when you talk about delivering services curbside, um, you've got Different technologies are used to collect different material streams. So the top two pictures um, are showing how one goes about collecting sort of typical household garbage. So uh, polycart collection, so the top left is actually a picture of a Liberty County vehicle with a Corrado can on the front. I've actually got to I'll zoom in on that in a little bit. Uh, and, and the other technology that we talked about, boy, that this is like, this is cool. All right, zoom out and out. Uh, the, uh, 
Uh, the other option is, is going to a rear loader semi-automated system. So on the left is a fully automated system, a single operator with a lever in the cab operating you know, an arm. On the right, there's a manual uh, uh, component to get the carts attached to a flipper. So that, that's a going across the top. Going across the bottom, when it comes to bulky material, um, the automated form of bulk collection is on the lower left with a grapple truck, which is technology that the county uses. Um, interestingly, many communities, I think even in Hinesville, use the rear loader with manual loading of bulky items in a rear loader. So you actually see the same truck for regular uh, household trash and for bulky trash. So next slide, please. Well, I got a question on that yes, top, top right side. Is that Hinesville? Uh, that is uh, not Hinesville. Okay. Kyle, I'm wondering if you did, you owe me some money. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that, that, is not, that is not Hinesville. Okay. So, I uh, came straight from the MSW client files. Okay, good. So, uh, a quick zoom in on one of, this is one of the other topics that came up last time, and I just thought it was appropriate to, to just bring a, some photographic uh, differentiation. Um, the two primary technologies for true polycart service are either a front load collection or a side load collection. Uh, and so the, the county is currently employing the front load or the Corrado can. The Corrado can, so that, that truck on the left is a, actually a conventional commercial collection truck picking up dumpsters. It actually uh, loads a dumpster on the fork that has uh, got hydraulics plumbed to it with a lever on the side of the dumpster. So that, that left picture is actually the current polycart service being provided. I don't know, um, I think our contract lets us use that for free because that's a Liberty County photograph. Uh, the truck on the right <laughs> is an automated side loader, which is um, also widely in use. And you can see that this has got the tipper mounted behind the cab. Uh, it's got a right side drive. And, and some of the things you'll notice right away is just comparing and contrasting the height that that cart goes. So if you're in, an, if you're in the county unincorporated areas, overhanging branches, you've got one style of truck that's gonna go way high tipping that cart. Whereas at the moment, the front load, the tipping is lower, but eventually that Corrado can, if you could pan a little bit to the left, uh, when that Corrado can fills up on the front load truck, you've got to find a place that then use the forks to tip the whole Corrado can up. So both of these trucks require clearance. It's just the need for that clearance is uh, more intermittent with, uh, with the left-hand truck. So I, I did want to provide a little bit of some of the differentiation of the technologies that are in use when you talk about delivering polycart service. So with those pictures, now back to my regularly scheduled <laughs> discussion, which is talking a little bit about some of the options. Um, I'm going to err on the side of not going through these tables uh, row by row, line by line. Um, for those of you that like to really study the differences and the options, um, we tend to err on the side of providing as much information as we can in the interest of being um, uh, you know, thorough and transparent. Um, and really, this comparison of options just you know, shows on the left, if you're a convenience center system, there is no curbside. So you have seven convenience centers, pretty straightforward. That's the left-hand column. And then the results we delivered last time is that grayed out column, where now we do have curbside polycart using you know, automated collection. We uh, went ahead for the full uh, grapple truck curbside bulky, and we eliminated the convenience center. So you go from seven to zero. Uh, and so the remaining options, we've just shown kind of what those combinations are in terms of number of convenience centers, uh, how collection is provided, whether it's an automated truck or whether it's a rear loader. Um, and so uh, the thing that's really important, though, uh, is as we did our analysis, our thought process was if Liberty County consolidates convenience centers, um, it is going to um, have higher traffic at the remaining convenience centers. and. 
Um, as a result of that, we are contemplating staffing at those convenience centers. If you, get, if you look across the industry, convenience centers, they can either be staffed or they can be unstaffed. And what we think happens is as the convenience centers grow in volume and size and more residents come in, um, we tend to see a trend towards staffing those convenience centers. And as population grows, staffing just helps those sites stay clean, stay fully served, uh, gets people in and out efficiently, uh, and eliminates um, issues of, you know, kind of illegal dumping. You've at least got somebody there holding users accountable. Uh, and I think we felt like that was the appropriate way to contemplate consolidating convenience centers um, because uh, just some of the, the uh, health and legal dumping and some of those issues, uh, we thought that's appropriate. And that does factor into the cost, right? So uh, I do want to be transparent in disclosing that. Um, next slide, please. So all that said, um, I have, I want to just, you know, describe what we found in terms of the relative um, cost increase of these different options over what you have today. And, um, and I think the main takeaway is if you cut out convenience centers and go cold turkey and jump over to countywide polycart and curbside bulk, that's actually theoretically the least expensive way to go. If you maintain some hybrid service where you keep some convenience centers in operation and you also have the curbside polycart, um, that's going to be a little more expensive, which we think that makes sense. We think that that is appropriate because in some regard, you've got parallel systems delivering the same service. You've got one curbside service delivery, but you're still maintaining your drop-off system delivery. And so, um, again, we did assume that there would be staffing at the convenience centers. Um, we also assumed that it would be necessary to completely remove and flatten out any convenience centers no longer in service, because if you leave those sites and those ramps, even if there are no containers, you know as well as I, you're going to be inviting illegal dumping on those sites. So there's really, there's really a process and possibly some enforcement and some site improvements or whatever the reverse of improvement is to go back to just a nature site or something like that. Um, so there, there will be some inertia in users of those sites if you do consolidate. And I think with larger sites, with more traffic, there probably will be a little bit of training as people get used to that uh, as well. Um, I do want to comment briefly on option three, um, which involves, uh, or where we essentially went back to our collection modeling um, uh, pro forma model and looked at what if we did run a semi-automated rear loader around um, and use manual collection and tip the poly carts with tippers on the back of that rear loader, but then have our manual collectors be able to load bulky items uh, on the same way. Um, and so what we found is that's a, a much more, or it's a much less efficient collection system because now instead of an automated arm, you know, slamming a cart pretty quick, I think six or seven seconds is the cycle time. Now you've got to walk to the side of the road, wheel the cart over to the truck, attach the cart to the tipper, flip a lever, have the cart tipped, and then you've got to wheel the cart back and put it back in the right of way. So it's a much slower form of collection for basic poly cart. Um, and then manual collection, I think you'd actually have some folks argue that manual collection of bulky items is faster right up until the moment somebody experiences an, an injury, uh, you know, ankle, back, knee, and then suddenly that manual collection system is not faster than a grapple truck system. Um, and I, I do feel like this is an appropriate time talking about option three. Um, in the solid waste and recycling collection industry, 
Um, there is a powerful move afoot to minimize manual collections. That is really the direction the industry is going. Um, I, I literally had a conversation today with another client uh, in a community that has some upscale homeowners associations that for the past 40 years uh, have gotten side door collection where their service provider for 40 years has come up to the front and somebody's exited the truck and wheeled a cart up the driveway, dumped the trash in the cart and wheeled the cart all the way back down the driveway. And starting, um, not shockingly, about the time the pandemic hit, uh, it's been exceedingly difficult to staff that job. Um, so manual collections are increasingly frowned upon um, just to find labor and from a health and safety and liability standpoint. So I, I do feel like um, it's appropriate to point that out. I don't mean to be doomsday because there are some communities and cities that out of necessity have manual collection. <laughs> the trend is away from manual collection. I, th I think I'll stop, I'll stop at that. Next slide, please. <clears throat> So um, because Liberty County funds its services through an assessment, this is another table I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention any single number on, but we, we wanted you to have as a reference um, what the assessment might look like comparatively for residents in different jurisdictions, uh, depending on the option. So th this is really more of a reference table than anything else. Uh, and you can see that um, um, from the current system in the far left column, Really, all of these, you know, I think it's important to note, going to curbside polycart, that is definitely increasing the service level, right? Suddenly, nobody has to drive anywhere to get rid of their household garbage. Suddenly, the county's coming to them. So it's more expensive, but it's a higher level of service. So I, I think that's important to point out. Um, but it's a big enough increase in expense and a big enough increase in the assessment that we'll get to a couple of thoughts kind of at the end of, of maybe ways to think about that. Uh, next slide, please. That's good. I can just about blink, and the next slide shows up. That is, that is that's excellent. So, thank you. <laughs> so I, I think I've I think I've mentioned most of um, the or the the key assumptions that I do think are um, are appropriate for the way we would generally advise evolving Liberty County's uh, delivery of sanitation services. Um, for the for options one and two, where we're consolidating convenience centers. Um, so right now there are dedicated convenience center attendants, they're just driving around opening and closing gates, and right, there's already staffing dedicated to going around and managing the convenience centers. Um, there's a device, and I should know the name, but I'm blanking on it, that, that compacts the open top boxes. So, so there already is staff devoted to those centers. With uh, on-site staff, um, you're essentially avoiding some of the transportation costs, some of the driving around. You essentially have an attendant who would report to those sites but it still ends up being um, a, an increase in, uh, in labor expense if you do staff those centers. And, uh, and I think um, um, option three with the rear load service, um, the other consideration on that is rear load trucks are not currently in Liberty County Sanitation Fleet. Liberty County Sanitation Fleet right now consists of roll-off trucks, that front loader with the Corrado can, um, and so rear loaders would be moving to a new technology, which, you know, from a mechanical truck maintenance standpoint, that's an issue, but even just the capital expense of purchasing new, you know, new rear loaders um, and not being able to use those rear loaders for, for example, the commercial collection service. So there, there's a fleet impact on option three that's a little bit of an intangible uh, in addition to being, uh, you know, a higher cost impact because of the efficiency limitations. All right, next slide, please. So this is where I think um, 
I will actually talk about some of the specific lines on this table. So um, a lot of communities look around at what other folks are doing elsewhere. And as a consultant in the sanitation industry, we look around not only in regions where our clients are, but just around the country. We follow the trade publications. Um, we try to pay attention to kind of what the trends are. So we took some time since the last, uh, the last commission meeting to go research other counties here in Georgia and in the region to learn about whether they're providing curbside collection, polycart collection in their unincorporated area, and if they are, who is providing it? Is it being provided by public sector employees and public sector owned trucks? or is it being provided under contract? And what we found, which I would say we anticipated it, but nonetheless, it was still pretty stark to just confirm that, um, and, and something that has confirmed here regionally, and I think is the case nationally and broadly, um, is relying on private vendors to perform curbside collection. The curbside collection business, you know, 20 years ago, um, um, and, and still many communities do provide that service if they have been in the, you know, in the business. Um, but it was quite telling, in our opinion, uh, to confirm that the other counties um, <clears throat> that, that provide that collection uh, are doing so through a contract. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's interesting, Liberty County is using its own trucks and crews, but the current polycart service area is very, very small. It's just a very small subset. and the county can handle that just incrementally because it's also providing commercial collection. Um, as soon as Liberty County decides to roll out and provide that polycart service to the entire unincorporated residential service area, you're now in the residential collection service business. And that is, I think, a significant step up administratively. And I think that's why we see other counties have contracted out for that service. So having confirmed that that is generally um, how counties here in Georgia have proceeded, um, I, I was happy to see pretty good um, um, competition, like a number of different companies mentioned, so I think that's good. Um, next slide. So all of the pricing and all of the, the cost impacts that we have been showing are based on public, Liberty County's you know, current uh, wages, current vehicle costs, current capital costs, uh, current financing ability. Um, so public sector uh, cost threshold. Um, I think it would be irresponsible not to suggest that if Liberty County does go out for bid and hire a private vendor, um, given what we know and what we've seen from the private marketplace providing collection services, um, is it would be a substantially higher cost to contract out for services because the private vendors in the market um, are Frankly, many of them have gotten uh, uh, quite empowered. They have quite a lot of leverage. We're just going through a period of difficult labor market uh, and higher, higher fuel expense, and those are all factoring in uh, to an industry that's gotten very mature um, and, and frankly, pretty, pretty aggressive and pretty effective at putting prices high. So I just bring that up because there are a lot of uh, dollar values that I've shown you in the slides today. Those are all those dollar values are based on Liberty County's current cost of labor, benefits level, cost of acquiring equipment, uh, all things internal Liberty County. Going out, you know, going out to bid, going to privatize, it is likely that it would increase the expense given the way the business is operating. Uh, next 
Next slide. So um, I went fairly quick. There probably are more details on these slides than maybe was needed to get the point across. But um, to conclude, the if you change your system and migrate towards more curbside service, that's higher service delivery. It's going to be more expensive, right? Just just basic kind of basic common sense on that one. But doing that, um, <clears throat> some things to think about that we have seen used elsewhere. Anytime you change service delivery for households with sanitation, for whatever reason, that brings people out of the woodwork to comment and, and get involved in that. Um, so a couple of things that, that come to our mind um, in, in making that decision. It's not a decision to be made lightly. Um, there are a couple of things that we think would be worth thinking about, one of which would be to actually go out more representatively, more statistically to the residential customers. I mean, now that we've done analysis and we can float some potential rate increases and assessment increases, it becomes arguably more informative to do some kind of a, a statistical survey of households. We know that the county maintains its list of all its served addresses through the assessment role. Um, there are some very good techniques um, that in, you know, if we can collaborate with local and county governments to do a combination mail and online, you know, essentially it's a mail out survey with options that respond by mail or respond digitally. We think there's some actually very effective survey capabilities um, to really see, does your, do your residents really want to look at polycart collection? I mean, is that enough mm -hmm. of a demand to go aggressively in that direction? Um, the second comment that, um, that is worth thinking about is if, if it, you know, the sentiment is yes, let's look at uh, going to a, a polycart delivery for the unincorporated area would be to test the market. And to test the market would be going through the procurement process and developing some technical specifications uh, and essentially um, setting some thoughtful parameters <coughs> about timing of when this might occur. And I think also conveying seriousness, right? I think the market, the, the private haulers out there if they think the county's not serious, they're probably not gonna waste time submitting a proposal. But if there's really a serious interest to look at uh, going to a county uh, unincorporated polycart program, um, we think testing the market makes an awful lot of sense, is seeing what would the private haulers here in this region, would they, are they interested in the business? What would they charge for the business? And, and using that as a part of the decision-making tool and decision-making process. In fact, we do a lot of technical specification development to help local and county governments get good, fair contracts with transparent pricing where the service specifications are defined according to the industry standard, which I think is very important. Uh, and, and our sense, uh, again, this is consultant perspective, trying to think through, uh, you know, how to, how to, you know, how to take the next step. Uh, and then I think um, having, you know, having done those two, well, either one or both of those two steps um, would likely give as much input, you know, as much insight as, as you can get as to what the full cost would be. Um, are these absolutely necessary? I would say no, but I would say that it would be strongly recommended to, uh, to investigate at least what the, what the procurement opportunities are, what vendors in this region might charge to provide this service. So, um, I think, I think I'm to the end. Oh, there's one more. There we go. Yeah, there we go. So, so, um, so this 
is essentially um, our attempt to report out on some of the hybrid changes that could be undertaken for sanitation in Liberty County. Um, you know, not just jumping straight from convenience center straight to curbside, giving some hybrid where bulky waste can still go to a consolidated set of convenience centers. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know that I came uh, armed with a motion, but where I think we are with this initiative uh, is unless you have other thoughts or ideas or, or scenarios, I'm certainly happy to do that. But our sense is um, we, one thing we could do is certainly deliver a final report. We've, at the moment, we've kind of put our findings in more of this presentation form, you know, for a, a meeting to present to you. We do have um, a project budget that would involve us assembling a report that would commemorate this. Um, and, and that could be all you do. Um, but it, it strikes us that at some point, um, you know, whether that's now or later, some of the decisions that would be needed, it's really, you know, having done this exercise, um, has this uh, generated uh, consensus about what direction to go with sanitation in Liberty County, either retain the status quo, um, potentially uh, do some additional investigation and test the market, uh, or potentially jump right in to migrating to a, uh, a curbside polycart service. And I, I feel like I probably went through this pretty fast, but I'm late enough in the meeting today that um, I probably <laughs> should stop and let questions uh, come forth. But um, I thought the questions that we got and I thought the feedback we got were totally appropriate because it was a heavy lift to go from convenience center only to curbside only. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to test the, some of the hybrid systems. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's still, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's not something to be undertaken lightly. Um, but I hope this was helpful, and I hope it provided some additional perspective on uh, both the operational impacts and some of the likely cost impacts uh, if Liberty County starts to migrate to that, you know, kind of suburban curbside collection service. So um, thank you for your attention on that, and happy to answer any questions you may have. Mr. Chairman, I had a question. It may be for uh, Ms. Poole, but I was just wondering about the, if we have like um, the number of residents that are currently using a private um, company to pick up in the unincorporated area? Out of? Okay, all right. Okay, all right. And it's my understanding that anybody that lives in rural Liberty County, and you're serious, I've never heard of an area that they won't service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Do you, one more question, Mr. Mm -hmm. Do you know if, is there several private companies coming into Liberty County for that? No. There's just a, maybe one? Rural coming into West Side, East Side, wherever. Oh, okay, okay. Right. 
Okay, okay. If I could just briefly touch on that, I think it is um, advantageous to have a local hauler already in place. Mm -hmm. um, that's typically a good starting point. Uh, but candidly, if the county were to go forward and investigate whether uh, there are other haulers out there, um, we would generally advise to spread the word and see if it would be possible to attract competition, maybe from surrounding counties, to come in and compete with rural sanitation, who may not like that. But I think we are uh, philosophically very supportive of as competitive a bid as many proposers who are qualified as we can get. In fact, I would argue that's uh, you know, that's, that's one of your best opportunities to, to get good pricing is to have a you know, competition coming into the market. If you could just give me the number of 1,400 out of ever how many, and if you could email that to me, because there, there seems to be a lot of polycarts in the unincorporated area. But. Okay. Thank you. This is John. I'm, um, are we unique in having our own system um, and then having the uh, outside companies provide services, or is it you find that commonplace? And um, I, I think unless there is a, some um, some state regulatory um, uh, some prohibition of that from a regulatory standpoint, mm -hmm. um, I I think it is uh, expected that private sector folks will try to come in and provide, it's called subscription service. Mm -hmm. So um, typically in more densely populated areas, oftentimes the local government, <clears throat> county government, you know, is, is essentially regulating or, or you know, saying, hey, this is exclusive. Mm -hmm. But in areas where there is not governmentally exclusive collection, subscription service is very common because there, there usually will always be a subset of customers that are willing to pay extra to have that service. So um, it's a little hard to make an entirely blanket answer, but it, it's not surprising that somebody is entrepreneurial and you know, coming into the county. That actually was one of the issues that we identified just in our first uh, March 17th presentation is just recognizing that if Liberty County goes into this business and essentially establishes countywide service, there is an issue of displacing an existing business that is providing some of that service. And I mm -hmm. think there's probably some county attorney legal uh, consultation that would need to go on uh, with that. And there's probably some uh, uh, announcing to the market, to that vendor, and giving that vendor a lot of time to prepare for the potential likelihood that the government could regulate an exclusive service provision. So those are issues that are actually oftentimes quite contentious and different states have actually adopted different levels of regulation. I recall that we looked in Georgia and we did not find state level regulation in Georgia that would prohibit a county government from establishing an exclusive residential program. Hmm. But nonetheless, there's a vendor that could be displaced for that. So just mm -hmm. something to be kept aware of. When I look at the list of the counties you, you've uh, posted on here, um, and they use a variety of companies, so I I'm thinking so, were, were they at one time like Liberty ha had their own inside and then decided to go just contract it out or did Liberty get in on it early when they weren't doing it? That's why we have our own. I see. Mm -hmm. They don't have a transfer 
Yeah, I see. I see. In the hands of someone else. Yeah. Let them do it. Yeah. But to this notion, I, I think it is important, though, to recognize having a transfer station and having an assessment revenue mechanism is, is actually a very solid business platform. Um, and there are ways to procure exclusive collection that, for example, could, via a contract, compel your exclusive hauler to deliver all the residential waste to your transfer station and internalize that waste and those revenues. And so, uh, frankly, it's using private sector best practices for the benefit of a public sector operation. So that goes back to, um, in testing the market, developing an RFP that is customized and appropriate and capitalizes on the leverage and the market position that Liberty County has would be very, very important. You, I. And in okay, fact, we're, yeah, in fact, the, the good point, I mean, we do that. Uh, we allow some outside haulers to use the convenience center and they pay a higher rate for use. So, yeah, Stewart used to I, be one of those. I would go on record that um, it, it is worth defending your, your facility infrastructure. That is long-term insurance against um, onerous uh, disposal fees. If you have a transfer station, you're going to one landfill, they decide, oh, we're going to raise our, uh, we're a private landfill, we're going to raise our tip fees $10 a ton. You, you can at least look elsewhere. You can play the market. So you're in a good position on disposal. So I think that's important to point out. This has really been a collection-focused issue. Jim, I have a question. Joey, are you the, uh, Kathy, um, in the county, <coughs> excuse me, the county using the Corrado can, we pick up trash in, let's say, behind the Performing Arts Center in, for, for the city of Flemington. I guess Baconfield, I'm just trying to think of some residential subdivisions or neighborhoods. The, the county does that. Yes, sir. And uh, the county provides, we provide the polycart, do we? We do. Mm -hmm. And um, and we're using Corrado can now. So like if someone that lives on, let's say, Elm Street out in um, behind Bac uh, in Baconfield, would, what if they had a sofa? How does that do? Mike, how it goes by and pick that up? On the same day or at a later date or by request? He goes a different it's day. It's usually done on the same it's the day. Same day. Pick up polycart and bulk trash on Thursday. Okay. Because the city of Flemington number is growing, um, some days we are having to wait and pick up the bulk waste and iceberg on Friday morning. Okay. It just depends on how much we have to be in Flemington. Okay, so, but the Corrado can would, would dump the polycarts and any bulk trash stuff that's not in the polycart. Uh, Mike would do that, and um, what about appliances? I mean, does he pick up anything, in and everything, or uh, leaves everything? Okay, but but it may not be necessarily on the same day. Well, we make one trip with the bulk trash. Okay. And we do Flemington always on Thursdays, and most days we try to get right bulk. Okay. So so. The, Right, so yeah, okay, that's that my question. So, Corrado can for the poly carts, which is most of the household, and then um, anything else that they may have, Mike could get that with the with the knuckle boom, the clam truck. Okay, and um, 
let's say in the rural area, Joey, if, um, down John Martin Road outside Flemington, um, they, the people that live down that road, they don't have the polycart service. They would have to go to the convenience center with, with everything that they got, households, sofas, chairs, everything, everything. That, that they would do that because they don't have polycart service. That's right. Okay. Yeah, they've, they've got well, it. You've expanded outside of. Oh well, if it's well, maybe, maybe that was maybe that was a bad yeah. example. <laughs> but if city, if, if it was city. if it's someone in in the county that don't have um, a polycart, they then we would um, who, who gets that? They, they have to go to the convenience center. Okay. Well, let, let me ask you a question <laughs> on that, um, Joey, and I don't know. The what? What's the documents with the other cities say about the convenience center? I mean, that was that was something that was voted on to have the convenience center. I mean, the transfer station and things like that. But what happens when you close those down? I mean, when you when you shut the one out at like JV Road, that's a that's in the that's a convenience center right there going into the yeah so when you shut those down what do you i mean who's is that Hinesville's? is that gum branches or because if you go out there to yeah. just if you go out there to throw a, a five gallon bucket in there the man says where you live at and you say well i live over on 503 martin road he said well you can't throw trash in here you got to go to another spot you should leave it out on Right, and and uh, so what is what's these other little cities will will do because Waldoville has pickup and they're taking advantage of it. Um, does Riceboro have it, Commissioner Stevens? They don't have it, but they got polycars though, don't they? They got Rice. The city limits has polycars, right. but I think for the dry trash, but no bulk. Book. Right, no bulk. No, no bulk. Just so, so as far as assessments on your taxes, what happens there, Joey? They get assessed a fee. They pay a fee for use of the convenience centers for that cost center mm -hmm. of operation. So that would go away. That would well, if you shut the convenience centers, yes, right. that would go away, and then it would for, it would use the term force the cities would be would have to find for their city residents a mechanism to dispose of that bulk waste. So the city of Flemington now, Mr. Chairman, they they pay. They, they pay. They actually pay a rate associated with both. And the city of Midway, I don't think they have bulk. They or, pay or the bulk. They pay city us Midway for bulk. Does not have bulk right. pickup, so their assessment includes um, assessment for them to use the convenience centers for bulk. Well, I mean, was that on a sales tax issue? Was there something no. done to bill those? Or did we just go out and? Mm -mm, I, I mean, we it's on your tax bill. I think we financed them. Right, it's on your. Right. It comes in yeah. on your assessment, but I'm yeah. just saying, is it? The original, the original build. We didn't do the convenience center or the. We didn't do any convenience centers or the transfer station on a sales tax. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. In fact, the time mm -hmm. we built them, it wasn't eligible to do on a sales tax. So the prescription that he's talking about would be just like the prescription. With fire, 
like they've got in like they have some subscription services in fire yeah. or or you would pay an increased cost you'd actually what would really happen it it you know i don't think you'd want to offer a subscription service i mean it's hard to it'd be hard to to figure what your costs were going to be how many people that year you'd actually serve for right. the further subscription and all those things you you would simply want to increase your solid waste fee and it would it would be hey like city Hansel, here is your here is your fee for collection and disposal, and that's what it's going to be. Now, if you want to go some of them, do something else, that's up to you, you. but mm -hmm. you are going to have that service that's, uh, you know, that's available. Well, I'm, I'm I mean, that's, advocating that's that. you know, I, mm -hmm. we're spoiled because I don't know what you're talking about as far as a can and lining it up and throwing it over in there, whether it's a karate can or whatever it is, polycarp, but I know there's two men on the back of that truck and there's somebody driving. And when they come around the corner, they start backing up. And from one end of the street to the other with 20 residents, they're in and out of there in less than 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's uh, I mean, it, that's what I'd like to see. If we get everybody could do that, I just don't know that we can accomplish that goal because you're going to have to have a spotter behind you. You're going to have to have somebody, like you said, to pull it up there to put it over to where to throw it up in the truck, so I just. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not as familiar with the, the detailed topography of Hinesville, but just listening to that description, the places around the country that still have multiple helpers on the back of a rear loader tend to be much more densely populated because then you're essentially utilizing your laborers very consistently in the unincorporated area. If you have three men on a truck, then you're driving a quarter mile sometimes and they're just either getting in the cab because there are speed limitations. You can't drive beyond, I think, five or 10 miles an hour. I, I don't, I'm not our safety person who knows that, but um, that model becomes much less efficient. I think more dangerous because there's an inclination to just hang on the back and accelerate. Um, so it's less efficient, it's, uh, it's, it's more dangerous, and just more costly having more labor in rural areas. I think that's where the model breaks uh, Well, in, in a rural area, you, you wouldn't need um, two guys on the back. Yeah, well, I think yeah, we yeah, model it with yeah, one, I yeah, think. One. Yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, I was just, I, I was unsure, Joey, about how that. Mm -hmm. But, um, Joey, we, we, we're looking at um, our existing customers, which would be uh, subdivisions like the city of Flemington that we currently serve and the unincorporated area of the county that use our convenience center. That, that's who we would, um, that's who we would collect mm -hmm. trash for. The, the all, one, all of that incorporated. Well, all unincorporated. All, well, well, all, 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 all of the incorporated. Some of them already getting it from um, mm -hmm. from rural sanitation. They do. Mm -hmm. So, so what? I mean, we we. Yeah, I, I mean, but I, I mean, they I, would have I, a choice. I, I know outside the city, um, off of uh, Reuben Wells and uh, Live Oak Church Road. I mean, there's there's there are parlor carts out there that we don't pick up. They use rural. We be in the city mm -hmm. and. The county, so that's that's another. They would have a choice. That's, that's unincorporated. Mm -hmm. we, we we don't. Right. We are not doing it. No. But we give them a choice. They could have a choice. I, I just say we keep it like it is. I mean, we we're already investing. What is that? What seven hundred and fifty thousand in Gun Branch for a quick convenience center? At the convenience center, yes. Right. The so. disc, we would still, you know, depending on what model you use, whether we would. I understand, but I mean, yeah. 
if there's other options for him. And I mean, who, with all the respect, who, who's saying that Flemington won't just use that model and use someone else one day? I think we'd like a chance as staff too to sit down. I know uh, Clinton and Johnny couldn't be with us tonight, and um, and John uh, did a great job going through everything with the staff. Is we like we like a chance, I think, to decide yeah, some of it and come back right. maybe with some thoughts for you and recommendations. I appreciate at it. least at this time that'd be good. Yeah, because we're deep in trash right now. Because I promise you, there's uh, talking uh, trash. We're talking a lot of trash <laughs> right now. There, there's somebody out there who would who would use the service if the county provided it, who's not using one of these other companies. You know that, so so it's kind of like fire service. We'll make sure everybody has the um, option, at least opportunity. And it could be a, it could be a matter of communication that there mm -hmm. are other options available. Yeah, true. You know, too. So, but we, we I think we, we, we if if made a note, if it's okay, we'll do a little review sure. and be able to come back. I do like the idea though. You talked about leaving some of the convenience centers open. Oh yeah, we, we need instead to. of having. Oh, I know one that has to stay open. One in Gun Branch. Gun Branch. It's a million dollars we're dropping right now. Mm -hmm. so. But I mean, if you don't have 10, then you wind up having 10,000 because every dirt road's going to wind up with trash on the side of it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a growing pain. But th th <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you all. For a really good question. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, Ambulance proposal. Here, members of the commission. Yeah. Can uh, I do this? Joey, when do you think you guys will, you know, I don't want this to get cold. When will y'all come back to us with? I would think within 30 days. Okay. All right. Thank you, Ms. Kathy. All right. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, sir. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, we advertise uh, RFP on the county's website and Department of Administrative Services. Uh, we also receive inquiries from about 10 vendors requesting information. Uh, we received two proposals on Thursday, June the uh, 2nd from Custom Truck and Body Works and Road Rescue Safe Industries. Uh, the evaluation team reviewed both proposals, and we'd like to recommend that the uh, ambulance be awarded to Custom Truck and Body Works of Woodbury, Georgia, for a Dodge chassis in the amount of two, uh, $276,718. And this project will be uh, funded from proceeds from Splash uh, 6. Uh, when I came to this body back in last year, we awarded a Ford in the amount of $198,000. So you can see how much it has gone up since. Uh, this is for one? This is just for one ambulance, sir. Yes, sir. Availability? Uh, on the back sheet, it shows uh, for one road time. rescue oh, and sorry. safety. I didn't flip it up, I'm sorry. It, it will be uh, 790 days to 820 days. Now, on the custom, it says 120 to 150 days. That's from the time of the chassis. He did say, talking to Jimmy, he did say that Dodge, and that was the issue last year when we had to go with a Ford mm. chassis, that Dodge has opened the portal back up so that we can, um, they can he can put in a bid. But uh, that's from the receipt of the chassis. That's that basically it's six months from the date of the, uh, receiving the chassis. <laughs> I missed okay. the first part of it, Joseph. Did you? Is this a Georgia dealer? Uh, custom body, yes, sir. It's, on it's over near Columbus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mr. Mosley, Mr. Yes, Chairman. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. Let's say that uh, I was just looking at the days that um, at 800 days. Now that's way over two years. 
that um but and and we didn't go with that's not the recommendation that we go with them but um well, I mean the price is uh, twenty thousand dollars cheaper but um if we went with them um that would they lock that price in that's a good question sir because but, well and, and i'm saying i mean you know every, but, but they, they would have to they everything's have to. going up i mean you know two years from now that um that 250 is going to be 350 <laughs> 350 probably they, they would have to honor the price they would okay no i i mean i uh, that that's a that's a long time uh, yes that's a long years time. In, yeah. and and they, they their claim was they could not quote a dodge chassis yeah yeah well yeah well i would hope that ford couldn't um <laughs> couldn't quote a dodge chassis well the the company they, they said they couldn't yeah. get into dodge portal like uh custom body works custom oh, trucking oh, okay body okay Okay, thank you. And this would be paid for out of SPLOS? Yes, sir, ma'am. Yeah. Um, uh, for a side note, uh, Mr. Brown had, had placed funds in the um, SPLOS 7 for future ambulances, but right. this will not, with, based on this price, this will decrease our ability to get more units. So. I was wondering about that. I saw kind of, that kind of disappointing. and I looked at it. Yeah, our units have been, you might say this, I apologize, step out, but our units have been coming in under $200,000. Yes, yeah. Right. Around 180. Yes. So mm. now we're seeing the market, and I don't think they're going to get any less. So the amount that is actually in the Splash 7 that you'll talk about at your next meeting uh, it will be 200000 So unless you change that amount, mm. you know, it's going to mm. be, it won't pay make up much. some difference. Is there, but it's so soft with the percentages, right? It is. Splash. Yes, so sir. let's let's just hope that we have more sales tax and it all right. work out. You're right. ARPA funds can, you can use for this? Uh, you tricky, huh? tricky, tricky, because you have to be able to show that it enhances the ability to respond mm -hmm. to the pandemic, or to handle just the pandemic. And when 90, 80 percent of the calls are not related to the pandemic, it's stuff. Uh -oh. What, yeah. Mr. Gillard had mentioned. Um, I mean, it, there's a great possibility they'll go up. I mean, a regular car is going to go up. So, what what do we accomplish if we say, let's see what two of them is? I think. I mean, did we get a better price? Well, we uh, so last time we quoted two at a time, we got a small margin, um, but I mean, it was from what I remember, it was ten or fifteen thousand dollars ordering two at a time, which was a different environment. We can certainly, I mean, I think we can ask. Well, I mean, that's just, I'm just asking. Right. I don't know if the rest right. of the folks think we can, I mean, because in 180 days, you're looking at how many miles, an average of oh, yeah. 30 a day, just an average, and it could possibly be 100 a day if they're making, you know, trips back into the Savannah. So you're going to have a piece of equipment that's going to be, Wow. Now, I mean, that's, that is another way to look at it. It's like a fellow that's got two pairs of shoes. He's going to wear out two pairs of shoes. So he, he ain't going to save one for a rainy day. And I don't expect us to save an ambulance. I expect us to take the old one out and so whatever. Just What you think, Mr. Chairman? Yeah, I just remember that. Don't I recall that? Several of them are limping along. If I may use that. We got two in. Yeah. 
that four that they approve, uh, he shared with me that, that the chassis has been done. They're waiting for it to move to the uh, custom body works, and they should have that done in about uh, four months. Okay. They're waiting for that to move. I'm just trying to get a feel of, of, of what kind of timeline we need to be on. That's but yeah. Yeah. How many days did you say? 180 days? Um, That's a minimum. 120 to 150. 120 to 150 is what they're quoting. On the back. But, but he yes, said on the back that on, that, on the Fort Chassis, they're going to try to have that ready by August yeah. or September. I ain't crazy. I, I don't know. I'm, my wife's got a Ford. But. Yeah, I was going to say we've been real successful with a dog. Yeah, them folds. Did we I vote on that Ford? Zack up. That was the only thing we could get at the time. Special. Oh. I'm glad to see to, that we're going back to the Dodge. <laughs> Dodges. Yeah. Oh, for that right. one. So Dodge Portal was closed. Okay. All right. We might, Ms. Chairman, I would uh, make a motion that we would uh, move forward with the uh, recommendation from the committee to uh, purchase the uh, Dodge from Custom Truck and Body Works, 276,718. Second, second, Mr. Chair. Thank you, sir. Motion and second. We approve the bid as presented by Mr. Mosley and the team. With all the discussion, there's been there any, any further discussion. All in favor, show of hand, please. Thank you. Moving right along. Amen. Sure. <laughs> Agreement for managed EMS services. Mr. Chairman, you need a motion for that? Yes, sir. I make yes, a motion yes, yes. we approve the uh, agreement to manage the uh, EMS. Okay, motion second that we approve the agreement to manage the EMS and further discussion. <laughs> All in favor, show your hands, please. Uh, renewing that agreement. All right, yeah. All right. Application for opera educational assistance. Mm -hmm. Some people are waiting on this. So. <laughs> Oh, y'all. Y'all can tag team. <laughs> Mr. Chair, uh, you have before you uh, in a um, grayscale um, a proposed application for the um, academic uh, learning. This was something that the committee really wanted to do to help um, people in the uh, who may be doing mentoring and tutoring to help uh, students who were um, who weren't excelling as much. Uh, it's kind of modeled on a application I think I found in Forsyth County, I believe. Uh, the dates were something Mr. Brown and I talked about. Uh, we didn't know in terms of where y'all want to go from September 1 to, to July to uh, August 30th or just a nine months to cover the school year. And also we put an August 1 date because we knew that y'all wanted to get those that process moving yes, forward. We, yes, we did. Um, one of the things Mr. Brown and I looked Review the ARPA requirements very carefully. You'll notice on point number four, 
Uh, it talks about making sure that they conduct a quality assessment pre-course and post-course, making sure that they find out what students deficient in and then design a curriculum to enhance that student. Um, we put one of the things that uh, Commissioner Frazier had stressed uh, on the other application was making sure we do a pre-application workshop. So that's noted here in the application that will be held on Thursday, July the 14th, uh, over a two-hour span so that we could notify potential applicants and encourage them to come in and tell them uh, what we would like to see in the application process. The um, information number four, did you, did you also uh, borrow that from um, Forsyth County? No, sir. That was yeah. directly from Review. It was directly from data, the regulation, okay. From, from ARPA. Okay. All right. I think it's a good idea so folks can know up front what the requirements are because it's one thing to request for another thing to do all the paperwork that's required. I remember that some other groups that I'm in. All right. I'm, I'm All right, let's see. Are we, are we, let's see the dates. I'm, I'm, I hear you, Commissioner, come out Sept, September and May. So, okay, you're aligned with the school school year pretty much. Yeah. If you have a workshop on the 4th of July, that's August 1. I think that's a pretty good time to give. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's just for information, right, Commissioner? There are some people who are. We're asking to apply for funds for this purpose so we have something within the use. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, was that, um, were these for um, nonprofit organizations that's, um, that does this? Yes, sir, but it would be, it would be nonprofit just like the other. Mm -hmm. This was in the line item for um, educational assistance funding in your office. Mm -hmm. Okay. Taken right out of the ARPA Bible. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, we're, we're going to put out a flyer or something and we're going to be soon? Yes, sir. We'll have to do that. That's something we were making notes about. But okay. Yes, sir. Well, right. well, they be able to use that at Coastal Pines and Foothills on Fort Stewart? <clears throat> you know, those are continuing ed type things. I don't things. think. I don't know exactly about something I don't have a good feel for because they really work with the uh, um, tech system. They're connected into a, yeah. a, a state or a like a Savannah system. Tech kind of thing. So I don't no, know 100% about them. I, I don't know if they're youth challenge students or yeah. if they're regular army or what, yeah. but I know there's a good number of them that um, yeah. with foothills and then. Yeah. There's a pretty good number of them in Coastal Pines, and of course, yeah. Coastal Pines uses uh, yeah. the old Geordie Bacon School, uh -huh. and most of your other ones are. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think so, but we'll check into it. Check. What do we uh, need to do? Vote on it? We don't. We just, so, I mean, okay. just, if it's okay, we'll move forward. Okay. Any announcements before we go into executive session? Um, no, sir, no announcements. Any announcements from the commission before we go into executive session? No? Okay. Chair, train a motion to, to go out of record session into executive session to discuss land acquisition. So moved, Chair. Second? All Second. in favor? Show of hands. We're now into executive session to
Chair Taylor, a motion to come out of executive session? A move. Second? Second. All in favor? All right, we'll let them to report. Chair Taylor, a motion to adjourn? Move, Chair. Second. Second. All in favor? Uh, All right. Yeah, I'm going to buy that. No, they are. <laughs>